106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. The 12 o'clock appointment to get vaccinated. Welcome, please sit down. I heard the vaccine has a chip in it. No, there aren't any chips in it. What are you talking about? I want the chip. Come on, give it to me, damn it. Ah, a Moderna man. Yes, I'll take the Moderna. Come on. If chips are what you want, chips are what you'll get. I've stuck myself with so many steroids, I won't defeat thing. <laughs> Here you go, Arnold. Warning. There might be some side effects. Put it in and not worry about side effects. Come on. Yeah. 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 What's happening? Yeah. I feel fantastic. Yeah. Somebody breaks in your house in Santa Rosa County and you shoot and kill them. The chances of them reoffending after that are zero. And we like those odds. So. Um, in Santa Rosa County, if you break into a house, you roll the dice. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Serious? The people is how the Constitution starts. A magistrate is a person that operates under authority. They have power. There are higher magistrates and there are lesser magistrates. The founding fathers of this country understood that there's going to come a point in time where the federal government will need to be checked. If not, they will become tyrants. And that is what's happening now. So, the Declaration of Independence by virtue of being a human being, has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The federal government, too, the federal government, their purpose is to protect the rights of those citizens, the rights of us to our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. The third point of that document is if they fail to protect its citizens and enforce those rights, the citizens have a right to revolt. The people. Well, I don't want to hear 
stated in the Constitution. Now, and did you see what Elon did? I thought this was pretty funny. He tweeted right after he bought it. He said, and now I'm going to buy Coca-Cola so I can so I can put the cocaine back in. Uh, which, okay, but, well, it's all fun and games until Hunter Biden gets his head, head stuck in the vending machine. That's a... Uh, Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and this is our 162nd, 162 episode, and it will play on 5-7-2022, working on a little earlier this week. In fact, I'm in the middle of the afternoon, which is usually noisy around here. Um, right next door, I have dogs and children. I think W.C. Fields used to not like either. I like both, but they do get noisy at certain times of the day when it's playtime. So I think there's a lull in the action over there. So I'm going to try to slide in this show and uh, not have any interruption. Um, okay. So you can reach me at 530-713-1838. If you're new to this, we're going to do six 20 minute talk segments with some clips in between. Um, you can reach me at lou at nohostagesradio.com, which is our website email, lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. You can also go on that website and reach uh, previous episodes and articles that I write. Uh, uh, usually they go in the Territorial Dispatch, which uh, is a local paper that runs them for me. Uh, it's a weekly paper. You can see the Territorial bit Dispatch at uh, just adding uh, TerritorialDispatch.com, and you can read the whole paper online for free. And they don't uh, come on and say they're going to charge you the next time or whatever. Or you can get some hard copies if you're from this area, up in the Yuba-Sutter Counties area of, of uh, Northern California. You can get some hard copies uh, laying around at your local retail establishments and uh, read it that way. So um, let's see what else. Also, we're doing a live show now, and it's at KMYC 1410 a.m. on Saturdays, left coast time from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, we cover some similar material, but not always the exact same because it's a local show, but you can listen to it around the country at live365.com. That's a, a, a live streaming service. Live365.com and put in the call letters on, click on radio, put in the call letters, K-M-M, like in Mickey, Y-C, and you should get whatever's live streaming. K occasionally we get, like last Saturday, we got bumped off. I don't know why. I don't know the technology, but they rebooted us and got us going. But then you can listen from wherever you are out there and. uh, the globe. Um, okay. So I think that, I think that's it. So anyway, give me a shout. If you, anytime you want to send me any information, uh, things that we, you think I should be paying attention to. I have a lot of helpers out there now and I appreciate all your help. Um, so, uh, 
I'll, I'll try to respond uh, unless you send me tons of emails. Uh, generally, if you send me an email occasionally, uh, I'll definitely say thank you or comment on the, on the uh, clip you're sending. And many times you'll notice I use those clips. And um, so thank you so much. All right, so we're going to do, uh, as I mentioned, five twenty, uh, sorry, six twenty-minute segments, and we will uh, we will have that, and then we'll take a little break. Of a, it'll be a break for me, but I'll have some clips uh, slid in there. Tanner Martis uh, edits us all out down in Texas, and then puts it on the internet for me. I want to mention uh, again, right around the corner. In fact, this coming week, I guess it is um, the COVID Con and Beyond conference is going to happen uh it'll happen uh either if you live up in northern california you, you want to come to the conference live it's going to be at 1179 eager road in sutter county northern california right on highway 99 it's at the campus uh, where church of glad tidings is located again 1179 eager road uh, you can access that from the Sacramento airport by just getting on 99 and coming north. Once you get out of the airport, just working your way over to 99 and coming north. And then you just come right through Yuba City and take the uh, Eager Road exit. And when you come to the end of the exit, you will uh, land right at our entry to the uh, the church campus. So that's going to start May 12th, 13th, and then 13th and 14th. And I don't have the uh, the times on start times and stuff, but uh, you can go to Beyond the Com, Beyond the Com, Beyond the Com, sorry, Beyond the Con, like convict, Beyond the Con, dot com, c o m, and you can go right to the uh, the conference's website. If you forget that, you can go to Church of Glad Tidings dot com. And you can click on events and get to it that way as well. But uh, they're handling all the uh, the fees, uh, entry fees, all that kind of stuff through their own website. We're just, uh, they're hosting it out at Glad Tidings, which they've done before. Great speakers coming, many speakers coming. Uh, Vladimir uh, Zelenko, if he's feeling strong, he's battling some cancer. Uh, David and Kim Martin are going to be there. Carrie Madej is going to be there. Uh, Tom Rents, uh, the attorney Tom Rents is going to be there, who's defending a lot of doctors in the country that are being persecuted uh, for uh, being whistleblowers against the administration on killing people with remdesivir and uh, forcing people to take the jab. So, uh, I, again, there's going to be probably two or three times as many people as I just mentioned, but you can get a free pass uh, online at their website. The website beyondthecon.com. Uh, you can go to the website, get a free day pass to, to actually physically go to the event. Uh, there is a charge to attend more than that one day pass event, uh, day pass for the event. Uh, then you can watch online, of course, and there's a charge for that as well. So all the charges are listed online. I'll let them handle that. And uh, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, by the way, let me just say this. This COVIDCon and beyond is not just talking about COVID over and over and over again. You'll probably hear a little bit of information for people that are kind of newbies to getting the information, but this is really looking at what's the future of medicine, 
because our medical uh, institutions have collapsed and they are corrupted by politics. And right now, the uh, we have a, uh, a centrally managed Politburo, if you want to call it that. I call it that, where uh, we're now a communist type of a government in spite of having a constitution. They ignore the constitution. And we also have a uh, – there used to be thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of doctors in the United States that delivered medical services based upon their knowledge of, of medicine – and their work with their patient. Now, uh, what it's turned into since COVID has happened is the government is telling you how to diagnose something and telling you what then you have to prescribe, and you don't have any wiggle room on that. There's all kinds of laws, and there's all kinds of persecution coming down about that. So there's going to be a discussion at COVIDCon and beyond about the future of um, how we're going to deliver services, whether it's business services, religious services, uh, medical services, without having the government constantly interfering and uh, telling people they're going to take away their licenses. So that's going to be an interesting discussion. There's going to be a discussion about health, future of health care, um, you know, just health in general, holistically, not just medicine, and also legal and our rights, and um, surveillance, all kinds of stuff. So check that out, May 12th, 13th, and 14th, and go to their site, Beyond the Com, Beyond the Con, kind of convict, Beyond the C-O-N dot com, okay? I uh, got myself totally confused and on that one. I wanted to um, go through a couple little memes that people sent me this week, it says, uh, this is a Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin quote from 1722. And it says, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. A thing terrible to public traitors. People will be shewing that they are so by their freedom of speech. Now let me that's old English. Let me just go back and do that again with more modern translation. Uh the 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 lead to this quote is Hey Biden, hey DHS, you are public traitors and I will not be silent because I'm a free person. So this is in reaction to this uh they've now started some sort of a, a committee just like Twitter and Facebook and all these people had these uh truth committees or these fact check committees. And now we have a, a free speech committee uh, with these people uh, saying that they're going to stop disinformation. Disinformation is all uh, depends upon who, who the person is that's receiving it in their ear. So let me say what Ben Franklin says. He says, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation. In other words, whoever wants to overthrow the liberty of the United States of America must begin by first subduing or stopping the free speech. That's exactly what the Bite, Bite Me administration is doing. And he says it's a thing terrible to public traitors. Or in other words, he's calling people that stop free speech public traitors. Okay? People will be showing that they are so by their freedom of speech. So what we need to do, he's, he's talking about that we need to resist or shooing. People will be shooing uh, by resisting, by, by just simply saying, I'm going to have free speech. How about that? 
instead of bowing down or being afraid. Now, the first first reaction for most people is they're afraid of everything. They say you got to stay in your house. You got to wear a mask. You got to wash your hands incessantly. You got to stand six feet apart. You got to stay out of a church. You can't sing at church. Uh, on and on and on and on and on. You got to go home even though you're not sick from work. What we need to do is just simply resist. When people resist, the power's gone because they're just a handful of these people that are tyrants and they love, they just love being a tyrant. Your supervisors don't consider themselves being tyrants. Your Yuba, I'm talking about Yuba and Sutter County supervisors, wherever you're listening from, I'm sure it's the same there. They just don't consider themselves tyrants because it's always somebody else that's a tyrant, right? But the fact is, they are trying to cramp your freedom of speech. And certainly in our area, in the handling of the COVID crisis, it, it, uh, from what I've read in surveys that have done of all, all 50 states, 58 for Barack Obama, uh, they, the finding was that the state of California, though Gavin Newsom kept telling the public he was on the cutting edge of handling the COVID crisis, the state of California was right at the bottom. I think Washington, D.C. may have gotten less, worse, like an F minus. We got an F here in California. And it was a cramping or a uh, smothering of our freedom in every way here. Uh, freedom to move about, freedom of speech, uh, uh, freedom to not wear a mask, uh, freedom to go to church. All those kind of things was uh, subdued, as Benjamin Franklin used the word subdued, the freedom of speech. What, what we need to do. And what we have been doing in many cases is just simply acting like free people that we are. And that freedom comes from God, never did come from the government. So the government didn't give it. The government cannot take it away. If you can give it away, if you are passive and you're will, you will not stand up again. If you, if you put any of the incumbents back in office in our local area right now, you are just, you're giving up your freedom of speech because I'll tell you, they have all... The, the entire t COVID fiasco was telegraphed. In basketball, when we played basketball, and actually when the quarterback threw the football, they would always say, don't telegraph your throw. In other words, don't be looking right exactly where you're going to throw it because they will do a pick six, as they say. And same in basketball. If you always are looking at the person you're going to throw to, somebody will jump out there and intercept your pass. These, the uh, politicians telegraphed the COVID uh, phenomenon, pandemic, if you want to call it that, for years. And yet most people just ignored them, right? They thought, oh, they're just talking trash, just talking, blowing smoke, right? But they weren't. They've been planning, plotting, and, and sending up what we call test balloons uh, all along, seeing what the public's reaction was. Well, when the public was ambivalent to it, that means they had a whatever attitude. They threw down. And 99% of the public just went along with it. 99% of the churches, they, they fulfilled church prophecy by the churches closing. And, of course, the pastors are not going to uh, admit to being spineless um, and traitors to the faith. But uh, that's what happened. So now what's happening is they, they, are, they are again, and I just talked to my friend Dr. Cassidy about the avian flu yesterday, and he said, well, Lou, that's just the regular flu. The avian flu, the bird flu, gets into the human line, and, and that's what we call the flu, the flu. 
And, um, and he said, we had it this last year, but they didn't call it that. They called it COVID. Then they just folded it right into the numbers because they wanted the biggest numbers they could get. And so um, he said, because I told him, I said, they're already prophesying, they're predicting, and they're preparing for the avian flu, and they're going to shut down the the economy again. Now, if you say, oh, Lou, you're just, you know, I'm not a prophet or a psychic. I'm just telling you what I see and hear. They're saying it. They're predicting it. They're planning it. And so already, even though the federal government has lifted their mandates, first of all, you remember all the mandates? Oh, the federal government, you know, we got to follow what the federal, we got to follow what the Fed said. We got to follow what the state says. Well, now the feds lifted their mandates. Now what's the state doing? State of California, I'm talking about. Right now in LA and San Diego or L- down in those metropolitan areas, they're remasking everybody on uh, mass transit. So that I'm telling you, we're headed back the other direction. And you go to Adventist Hospital right over here and try to get in. You can't get in without a shot. And in place of a shot, you have to have a current, clean uh, a PCR test, even though we all know that, you know, it's just like it, the government is ignoring the fact that this is a fraud and they're just going on and acting like uh, it's all legit. It's a lie and it's corruption. And that's what we're faced with. And we're not we're not going back. So uh, we're going to have mandates again. We're going to have all the stuff. So the question is, is Yuba Sutter going to be free? And I'm when I say Yuba Sutter, that's where I'm living. But y'all are li- listening from other states. I'm just telling you the same thing. If you decide you're not going to comply, nonviolent resistance, right? That's what Martin Luther King and a lot of our forefathers uh, recommended, nonviolent uh, uh, resistance and noncompliance. That's what we need to do. If if most people do that, that nothing's going to happen. They're going to throw down, and we're going to we're just going to ignore it and just go on about our daily lives. It's it's sad that the businesses in our area did not have to close. They told them to close. Just right. So it's like somebody bluffing you, tells you to go over and do this. I think I don't want to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to go over here, and then you just go over there. So they, the sad thing is that uh, only a couple of businesses suffered uh, authoritarian reper- repercussions. And that was like Randy Mitchell at Uppercuts. And uh, now we have um, the Apple Bistro on Highway 50 in El Dorado County. And there's one other one. I can't remember where the other one is. It's having all kinds of problems as well, is getting sued. And warrants are being served, right Amazing. So it's interesting. Uh, Connor Boyack, who writes for the Tuttle Twins, he writes the Tuttle Tuttle Twins uh, books, children's books about adult topics like capitalism and uh, freedom and all those kind of things. Connor Boyack says it's interesting that during COVID, they they threw a big fit about barbers practicing their trade uh, in spite of the mandate or barbers operating without a license but then they turn around and don't check the boilers on these big food processing plants when they blow up or the faa isn't following the planes when planes are crashing into the isn't it interesting how these big dangerous things like where you go and inspect boilers and you go and inspect flight uh flight plans and monitor where planes are you know planes just don't fly willy-nilly they have to fly they have to serve a pl- flight uh submit a flight plan 
And yet they turn around and harass a cosmetologist and places that serve food. We have a, a gal that spoke at, I don't know whether it was, it was one of the previous conferences before COVID-Con, and she uh, was an Im- immigrant from Poland, from communism. And she had a restaurant in Michigan, and they locked her up. She did jail time for, op- for serving food uh, at her establishment. Now, listen, uh, we all can resist by just not cooperating. Now, Dan Flores, who's running, is an incumbent, and he's running in the 2nd District in Sutter County. Uh, at one of the campaign meetings, the forums, he said that if he had to do it all over again, he would do the exact same thing on how he shut this, this community down. And I say him, he didn't do it on his own. He had four other supervisors complying, but he is uh, considered among them sort of the, the lead dog. And uh, I'm telling you, if people are going to tell you they're going to shut down your freedom again, they need to leave office and try some other form of uh, employment. We'll be right back, and we'll get our second uh, segment going right now. I've got a feeling that keeps me on my toes. Oh, yeah. County. I'm Courtney Ortega, and I'm running for supervisor. Our government is mismanaged. It's too large and it's too expensive, yet it fails to serve and protect us. The homeless rule our streets. Addiction and overdoses are epidemic. Sutter County COVID policies crushed thousands of lives and businesses. Our rights were violated. Our freedoms were denied. As your supervisor, Your freedom and liberty come first. No closing of businesses, no mask mandates, no restriction to homes, no county offices or meetings off limits to you, no favoritism. Everyone gets treated fairly, no ignoring criminal behavior, and no new taxes. If you want honesty and a government that serves you, if you want change, Vote for me on June 7th. This ad was paid for by Courtney Ortega for Supervisor 2022. We can at least ask whether or to what extent the policies of our times have contributed to these problems of our time. Looking ahead to the future, one of the things that we need to focus on are facts about results not rhetoric about intentions. We need to look not at the noble preambles of of legislation, but at the incentives created in that legislation. Very often legislation intended to help the disadvantaged, in fact, pay people to stay disadvantaged, penalize them to the extent that they make an effort to rise from disadvantage. One of the problems in dealing with the politics of poverty and the programs for the disadvantaged in general and blacks in particular, is that vast empires can be built on these programs. That these programs definitely prevent poverty among bureaucrats, economists, statisticians, and many others. I think that what this betrays is a sense, uh, a sort of proprietary 
conception of blacks somewhat at variance with the spirit of the 13th Amendment. Uh, I think that if insofar as we're going to enlist the intelligence, the desires, and the commitments of blacks themselves, we have to do so by offering more choice in more areas to let them decide what is best for themselves and not to turn that job over to academics and government officials. Thank you. I think it's no surprise to know that it's not just uh, Obama, but it's the whole Obama-Clinton machine that has been in power for a long time and continues to pull the strings behind the curtain in the Biden administration. But when we're talking about this ministry of truth, Will, what's even more disturbing than the fact that you have all these Democrats who are supporting it is that there are powerful Republicans who are supporting it as well. Uh, there's one in particular over the last couple of days who's been very vocal on television about this. And I want to read his direct quote because it, it was very disturbing to me. He says, this is an important function of the Department of Homeland Security, but they put the absolute wrong person in charge of it. And, well, the, the problem here is not the person they put in charge of it. The bigger problem here is the board itself. The bigger problem here is that, unfortunately, we have powerful Democrats and Republicans who are supporting this ministry of truth, who do not believe in the Constitution and freedom of speech, who have no faith in the American people and are willing to put our taxpayer dollars towards this propaganda department, uh, this, this ministry of truth. It, it's something that belongs in a dictatorship. A ministry of truth does not belong in the United States of America. No, it does not. And Tulsi, I hope you'll forgive me, but I have hosted three shows over the past weekend and somehow this missed my radar. So who is this vocal Republican politician in support of the ministry of truth? Uh, this, this quote that I pulled from was, was Karl Rove, who's been pretty outspoken about this. He's not alone. There have been other powerful Republicans who uh, have sounded outraged about it, but it turns out their, their outrage is not because of the standing up of this propaganda department. Their outrage is about who was chosen to lead it. And the problem with this is when you take a bigger step back, when you have powerful Republicans and Democrats supporting this, then we will end up with revolving ministries of truth pushing for whoever happens to be in power at any given right. time. Uh, I, I have faith in the American people, though. Unlike these people, I have faith in the American people that we will stand together and reject this insanity and that we will stand together and reject any Democrat or Republican who fails to denounce this ministry of truth and who fails to stand up for our Constitution, our Bill of Rights and our freedom of speech. Well, I stand with you, Tulsi, and I appreciate you highlighting that this evening. As is always the case, it is elites in power looking to preserve that power and just trade it between their two teams who look to control the people. And speech and thought are the most basic fundamentals of control. Tulsi, I always enjoy your perspective. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Come on, all of you big, strong men. Uncle Sam, did you help again? Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Well, there ain't no time to wonder why we all gonna die. Now 
come on Wall Street, don't be slow I man, this is war, a go-go There's plenty good money to be made Supply in the army with the tools of the trade all right. So I was just talking about the uh, the supervisors of your county and the city council of your city. We had some cities in California that resisted Atwater and Colinga. And I think one county, Imperial County of 58, and they they did not comply. Isn't it wonderful? They didn't comply. And the businesses all uh, were able to be open down there uh, in those places. And uh so it's possible. Ours, ours all uh, in our area here, we have two supervisors, um, sets of supervisors in the two counties and a number of city councils. So, uh, but they all complied. Um, so I want to talk now about who some of these people are that are running our, our counties. And I was mentioning Dan Flores and I've talked to, about him before. And, um, I love what Harry Truman said. He says, show me a man that gets rich by being a politician. I'll show you a crook. Let me say it again. Show me a man that gets rich by being a politician and, and I will show you a crook. Now there's been books written recently by Peter Schweitzer about this topic and showing how politicians came into office relatively. Uh, I mean, they were rich in terms of the whole world, but not rich super rich in terms of the uh, in terms of people in the United States of America. But they, they became rich as a politician. And the, the way they do that, Peter, there's lots of stories. I don't want to go all into it, but uh, I talked about Denny Hastert and uh, Harry Reid. Hastert was from uh, Indiana, and Harry Reid was a senator from Nevada, senior senator. So they made millions and millions of dollars off land deals. Just so happened, uh, major thoroughfares, big, big interstates went right through property that they happened to, just a serendipitous thing. They ended up owning right in the path of the uh, of the big exchange or interchange, right? And on it, I could just go on and on and on about it. So I, enough said, if you want to study it, you can study it. I'm not going to study it all for you. I, I know what I'm talking about. So we have that same thing going on in Yuba Sutter counties, except there's just not as many zeros on the profit made at the end of the number, right? So it's interesting that the Sutter County uh, Office of Education, which is a county office with an elected superintendent, and their their job, because I was on the Yuba County Office of Education board for years, and the job was described to me as being able to address the, the needy kids of the county and and uh, say uh, disabled kids, kids with health issues, kids with autism, kids that were uh, had learning disabilities, kids that were uh, incarcerated. We would handle all those kids, but we, we were also able to address any other unmet need that the unified school districts were not addressing. So um, there was, you know, the the Office of Education could address like adult ed situations, people that are adults now that didn't have a high school diploma, for instance, or needed some training. So they could start any class they wanted. They could just, they didn't need permission from anybody, pretty much. They could just launch a class. They could launch a class on medical assistance. They could launch a class on computers, Microsoft, software, um, construction, welding, all kinds of wonderful things they could just do. And so uh, that's how both the offices of education, Yuba and Sutter County had, and that, that was their mission. And they both did it a little bit different, but that was the same, 
uh, approach. So a few years ago, a guy named Bill Cornelius was superintendent, and he came in, and unfortunately he won, and there was a better gal that should have won, but Bill Cornelius won, and he shut down the entire ROP program. That's all the classes and, and training where people can just get trained and go get a job. And he shut that all down, took all the money and just spread it out and gave people bigger salaries. And so that guy came and went. And then we have a guy named Tom Russer now, a couple people down. And so there was, there's been a discussion around town as people keep talking about what I've said already on the radio or not on the podcast. Cause I do both, uh, is that this, uh, this uh, Dan Flores supervisor has all kinds of, he's diversified, right? He's in all kinds of things. He's on all kinds of boards. He's a supervisor. He makes a salary there. Then he's over and working for the city of Marysville as a development guy in another County. Uh, he's, he's been on boards where you give out money like the uh, economic development commission, where they give out loans, and he's been caught trying to get loans on his own. He's been caught repeatedly trying to get money from the government for his private school. He started a private school called Cambridge, and it did some similar type of education that the public schools did, right? You heard, you've heard you heard of private schools like Hillsdale College, a private college, and you have public college like Sacramento State College or Cal State Sacramento. So you have all these different things. The Hillsdale College doesn't take a nickel from government and they don't want to take they want to be totally independent dan flores wanted to take all the money from government he could get and he was always trying to get money from government taxpayers to pay his private enterprise where he gets all the profit from his business so the word is that dan's business was struggling and so he found a soft touch in the sutter county office of education superintendent tom russer and not only had Tom Russer bailed him out of uh, uh, buildings that that uh, that uh, Dan Flores, the supervisor, wanted to wanted to get out of, he wanted to move his college to a different location, his classes to a different location. So he ended up convincing Tom Russer, the superintendent, to take over his buildings. And then when he moved to this new building on uh, Live Oak Boulevard, where he's been for a few years, now he convinced a school to pay him that their school district, the Office of Education of the county, to pay him almost a half million dollars to buy his school. What are you getting when you buy a school? When you already are a school and you have PhDs, you have master's degree people, you have everything. You have speech specialists. You have, you have all kinds of specialists, financial specialists. You have construction specialists. You have specialists in everything. Why would you need to go buy a private school why wouldn't you just, whatever classes you wanted to start, why wouldn't you just start? Now, one of the benefits, even though when I went to school in California, the, the schools were the best in the, in the country. They aren't today. They're almost the last. And so there's room for private school competition, right, where a private school does a better job. But the difference between a private school and a public school in California, I can't speak for other states, is that private schools are very expensive. And public schools are a lot less expensive. They're not as cheap as they used to be, but nothing as cheap as it used to be. So at one time, you could get all kinds of credentials and stuff through the Sutter County Office of Education for no cost, very minimal cost, maybe an entry fee, right? And then you used to be able to get like a medical assistant license uh, through Sutter County Office of Education, maybe three or $4,000, right? 
And at the same time, uh, Dan Flores was doing the same, uh, giving the same type of degree or certificate or accomplishment, medical assisting, for instance. I'm just picking one for about 16000 And so the way he was doing that is that he would get them, they could get government loans for tuition. You know, all this talk about these kids go out and get government loans, and then they turn around and don't want to pay them, right? Even though you people that went out and just went to work and you've always paid off your loans, your car loans and stuff, somehow that they think that just because it's school that that even if they get they decided on their own to get a loan and then pay Dan Flores all this tuition and then they turn around and don't want to pay it or they can't pay it or they don't get a job or they don't complete, right? So now we have Sutter County Office of Education bailing out Dan Flores out of his school. Dan tried to convince him to be the director. His wife was working for them. His mother-in-law was working for them. And he rented the building at $10,000 a month to the school system. All our tax dollars, like that's $120,000 of tax dollars going into a rental, renting his school facilities. So he's benefiting off that. Plus he got $450,000 for a school that was in decline. Now, I'd just like to ask this question. Maybe the superintendent of schools would like to write an article uh, or maybe come out public, Tom Russer, and tell us how in the world that the taxpayers, the students of Sutter County benefited by paying three and four times as much to go to the same class, accomplish the same degree as they did when they went through his government school. I don't understand it. I don't understand how in the world that the tax, if, if the superintendent of schools is supposed to be representing the taxpayers and making, making decisions to benefit students, getting them the best education for the least amount of cost. Why wouldn't, I don't, I don't understand any benefit in what we just did here in buying Cambridge school from the supervisor Flores. Now, Supervisor Flores, every move he makes from people that have been talking to me over the last couple of months about this, since I heard me mention this on the radio or on the pod or and on on the podcast, is they bring up one situation after another where he Dan Flores, the supervisor, was constantly for his private school trying to get people in government to give him funding for his private school. Now, that's what's wrong with our government people. When President Trump talked about the swamp, Dan Flores would be the icon for the swamp. He's the swamp. And people like Jim Nielsen and James Gallagher are the swamp. People, oh, I like old James. I like, yeah, he comes to church with us. He's the swamp. And all these people, they become, you know something? People can cut can become accustomed at stealing from you. Do you know that your, your, your employees can, I, there's been all kinds of people embezzling money over the years from, from good doctors and dentists and business people, Huss brothers where for years and even the sheriff's department, somebody's worked there and they become accustomed at pilfering a handful of money here, a handful of money there. And pretty soon they're stealing millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. And they become a com- comfortable doing that and accustomed to doing that. And they justify it in their own minds that they're not doing anything wrong. You know that? We're good at that as human beings. It's called the tendency to have a sinful behavior. 
And people can do that at, at any even, any store selling any retail items. They can they can it used to be in the old days you just dipped in and grabbed money out of the till, take a twenty out maybe to start need a little extra money, and then maybe you get checks and you, you do something else with the checks, start a different bank account or you do something else. There's lots of tricks to the trade. I'm not going to do a whole class on it here. But politicians do the exact same thing. They justify it in their own mind, just like Dan Flores, doing deals that he uses his position as a Sutter County supervisor to benefit himself and other individuals. Now, the founding fathers didn't even want, in the beginning, politicians to benefit by getting paid by doing the job. And they warned against people that were going to get in there and get full of themselves and become in love with the power and become in love with the influence where people are constantly coming to them to get a deal cut. Oh, yeah, I know. I want to put this over here. The zoning isn't right. Oh, don't don't worry about the zoning. We'll we'll make it happen for you. Oh, don't worry about that. We got you covered, right? So they make it, they, they have so much power that they cut deals on people that they want to cut deals with. And then the rest of us have to just follow all the rules, right? The rest of us just follow all the rules. It's the same thing where you got to all wear a mask, but then the big dogs behind the scenes don't have to wear a mask when it's just them all, all, all be working together. They just cut a deal for themselves. It's all, all over. There's just one hypocrisy after another, whether you talk about, st- I mean, even Fauci had his mask off at a, at a baseball game. He's going to throw out the first pitch, Took had his mask down around his chin, right? It's just baloney. And so what's going on is peop- the government is continually getting ripped off by its representatives. Now you have nine of 10 supervisors. We have five supervisors in Sutter, five supervisors in Yuba, and nine of 10 voted to basically endorse the same policies that Dr. Liu put into practice, the health officer, that we that actually killed people. Some of my friends died of overdoses. Some killed themselves. Kids killed themselves. Dan Flores says that's okay. He thought he did a good job. People have died. Many people have died. You don't hear him talk about it because, in fact, I don't know was this was this week or last week I had a, one of the top doctors in the country said the CDC is not putting out suicide statistics right now they quit because nobody wants to talk about it. nobody wants to talk about all the overdoses and the igno- ignoring or the or the gonorrhea uh, epidemic or the syphilis epidemic they don't want to talk about it because they didn't do their job they focused on other things and they didn't do their job and they they didn't take into account the damage that they could do by uh, by shutting everybody down. And there are many doctors that knew and, and told them it was going to do this. You cannot lock people up in their home. You can't force people to stay at home, particularly mentally fr- fragile people, people that are struggling with drugs and alcohol. And when you when you tell people that are struggling – but they have a job and they are they're going to support meetings they're going to AANA meetings they're going to church they're they have a group of friends they have infrastructure they've been clean for a while they're they're and they have a meaningful job they're making some money but they're fragile when you jerk them around like this it sends them into a tailspin i mean all the people that work in the business know this but the supervisors went along with this and people died. People relapsed. I had all kinds of people, personal friends. I have personal testimonies that people that hit the wall. I had them lined up with jobs. I had lined up with training through 
uh, one stop here, and they they uh, they never recovered. Now this is what the supervisors just voted to said we're going to do the same thing over again. We endorse Dr. Lou's uh, her her job performance. They did a vote of confidence, nine of ten, and and the the only the and everyone that's running for office right now supervisors voted to support her the only one is not running for office i'm not going to mention his name uh but but he did not support her and uh it was a it was a uh, confidential vote isn't that interesting you and i are suffered because of all those decisions but they then take a confidential vote that's not a public vote and they pick and choose uh how much information they want to give the very public that is actually supposed to be, it should be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Not, we don't need, I don't need a nanny. I don't need somebody to tell me how much water to drink, take a pee, wear a cap, wear a coat. That's my mama. She's gone long time. She did the best she could. And now I'm on my own. I do not need to have my tax dollars pay for people to tell me how to live my life in any way. Just I'm on my own. Do your own thing. In fact, I am completely for dismantling the entire health department and telling people to get a job in the private sector because the private sector can do a better job as everything the health department is doing and not doing that they should be doing. The government, the government, the actual government code describing the health officer's job describes a responsibility of the health officer to address dangerous drug epidemics. Baby, if you don't get a clue that we got one right here, there's people dropping dead every week. There's people getting jump started with Narcan every week. We got a major problem, been totally ignored by the health department. We have a major problem with sexually transmitted infections and now call them STIs. Totally ignored by our health officials. You know what the justification is? Well, they told me to do it in Sacramento. You know something? When If I was a supervisor, I would tell that uh, health officer to pack her crap and get on down the road if she's not going to pay attention to the needs of our county. I don't care what's going on in the rest of the state or what's going on in Sacramento. We have different needs here, right? We have different needs here. And we need a health officer if there's going to be one I guess there's probably a law that you have to have one, right? We would do just as actually, let me just back up and say we would have done better under COVID without a health officer than with one and just letting the, the, our normal doctors, not the average doctor, but the doctors that we all have and go to and we like, and we choose which one we want. We would have done much better with those doctors scrambling around and figuring out how to treat COVID and forget all the testing all the nonsense, all the masks, all the wiping our hands all the time, rubbing our hands, having all this stuff, the chemicals we put on her, rub our hands all the time, all the nonsense, standing up, putting on a mask, sitting down, we can take the mask off and eat a peanut, all that nonsense, all that fraud. Now what all we does to me, all that, this whole thing, you know what it said to me? You're just a bunch of liars. The whole government is a liar. You just told us, you told us just crap for two years, baloney, 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 and baloney. And then you wonder why everybody is like, say, screw you. We don't like, like go to hell. Why don't you, right? We don't want you. 
You're a jerk. I don't care what kind of degrees you are. You're a jerk. You screwed my business over. You screwed my kid over, right? My, my uncle killed himself. My uncle overdosed, right? All of us have those stories. And you guys sit up there and, and some, in some situation, you gals uh, claiming you did a good thing. We'll be right back. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I've got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Why are Democrat politicians pushing the transsexual agenda? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. I'll tell you why. For more than two decades, Democrat politicians have been pushing for homosexual so-called rights, despite there being no so-called gay gene and homosexuality's very high rate of STDs and their unconstitutional agenda trampling everybody else's rights. But now, since the Democrat politicians and their LGBTQIA plus groups have nearly all they ever wanted by unscientifically equating homosexual behavior with skin color, they're fundraising now and politicking now for the transsexual sex change agenda. It's their new fundraising project. See our Not Born This Way page at SaveCalifornia.com championing your values in California. A handful of intrepid Republicans and it's it shouldn't be a handful. It should be the Republicans in a unified political phalanx but no, the, um, it takes the, the brave ones to go out front. And here I'm talking about, I'm going to name them. Uh, it's led by Marjorie Taylor Greene, but you've got Scott Perry, Dan Bishop, Andrew Clyde, Andy Biggs, Bob Good, Mary Miller, Paul Gosar, Andy Harris, Louis Gohmert, Thomas Massey, Matt Gates. Well, what are they doing? In the aftermath of the exoneration of two key defendants in the Whitmer uh, kidnapping trial, they're pressing Attorney General Garland for some specific answers. Now, trying to get answers out of Garland is not an easy business. This is like going to the uh, consigliere of Don Corleone and saying, hey, listen, we're, we want to find out more about the mafia. You're actually talking to the mafia. Uh, but nevertheless, this needs to be done. And so this is a stinging um, letter and a demand uh, of um, uh, Merrick Garland, copy to Christopher Ray. And the questions themselves are telling. Let me just read a couple of them. Who within the DOJ and the FBI knew about or was involved in the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer? Tell us. Um, remember, this is, a, this is a letter being sent by the legislators to the executive branch, which is accountable to the legislative branch. Um, number two. To what extent were the DOJ and the FBI motivated by the 2020 presidential election to paint political opponents as domestic terrorists, specifically vis-a-vis -vis the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer and the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021? In other words, this is not just the FBI staging, orchestrating, infiltrating, and moving along um, a plot. 
This is the FBI timing those events to coincide with an election. So the issue here being raised is election interference. Very important issue uh, because... Um, because uh, these revelations came to light in early October of 2020. Uh, in early October of 2020, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer had a press conference and had the shocking news, um, which is that there's this kidnapping plot and it's been foiled and she blames it straight on Trump. And the media, of course, embraces this. So this becomes a, uh, a media and a judicial weapon in the presidential election. Um, pretty soon, Whitmer is um, published an op-ed in the Washington Post uh, where she says that Trump is encouraging, quote, domestic terrorists. Look at this. I myself was vulnerable. And then Chuck Todd, of course, the so-called sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd interviews Whitmer and meet the press a few days later. Says, how are you coping with the threat against you? By the way, Whitmer had been notified about the threat beforehand because the FBI was apparently not only infiltrating the plot, but in cahoots with Whitmer the whole, the whole time. Coming back to the letter, uh, why was the FBI paying confidential informants and special agents with histories of unethical conduct to entrap American citizens in a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan? And were they doing the same throughout the time leading up to the January 6th protests at the Capitol? This is, in a way, the attempt to ask if there is a connection between the orchestrated plot of Whitmer, which, by the way, has been um, almost no reporting about this in the media. Or if it's there, it's downplayed. No big deal. Um, the events were trumpeted, uh, put all over the place um, before the election. But now that it's such an embarrassment, and when I say embarrassment, what I mean is Daniel Harris and Brandon Caserta, who had been locked up for a year and a half before trial, are now walking free. Two other guys, Adam Fox and Barry Croft, are still locked up because they had a hung jury. Uh, the, the judge declared a mistrial. The FBI goes, "We're gonna, we're gonna process. We're gonna show a conspiracy between these two guys." Well, you know what? Good luck. You know why? Because these two guys never knew each other. In fact, they live a thousand miles apart. <laughs> One guy lives in Delaware. So it was really the FBI and the FBI summit and the FBI planning sessions that brought these dudes together. So the ability of the government to show that they were in some pre-existing conspiracy looks to me to be uh, preposterously uh, far-fetched. Um, this, by the way, was the FBI's largest domestic terror prosecution in recent history. And, well, it went up in flames. Uh, in fact, the um, outcome of the trial really showed that the, the group that was publicly indicted was not these militiamen, but in a sense was the FBI. The FBI is the guilty party here. They're the ones who, if they didn't initially concoct the plot, they pushed it at every stage to its conclusion. And quite honestly, and I think this is what the jury concluded, is that it wouldn't, would not have happened without them. I think what the Republican legislators are trying to do is to show that this wasn't simply the FBI doing its own entrapment and nasty business, but in this case, doing it to help swing a presidential election.
So I want to I want to just go over the supervisors and say to you that the supervisors in Yuba and Sutter County will do the exact same thing that they did before. And that shut us down. The reason I know that is that nine of 10 uh, endorsed the job that Dr. Liu is doing. And so uh, the those that are running and for the Sutter County Board of Supervisors, which is one guy, Dan Flores, and and uh, those that are running in Yuba County. Uh, there's actually open seat in the fifth district. And then there's uh, uh, Andy Vasquez is a, is a uh, incumbent. They they are all running unless we remove incumbents everywhere in the county, including uh, CAOs that supported covid. We're going to get the exact same thing. So already, as I mentioned before, the uh, the government and the global cabal, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates on down the line, Fauci, they're all saying that we're going to have an avian flu. And that avian flu will infect the humankind. As I mentioned, uh, the Dr. Cassidy and I were talking yesterday, and he said, Lou, the avian flu constantly is getting it. That's what the normally the strain of the flu we get is from birds. They get infected, then they infect us. So I thought, all right. But they're saying now, they're telegraphing, which they've done all along. They're telegraphing the fact uh, the, their ne'er-do-wells, the evil ones, are telegraphing the fact that they're going to shut down society again. Already, public transit in, in the big cities of California are all remasking up. And so it's all starting all over again. Now, it's interesting that the, the, uh, the United States government, their ma- mandates, uh, their mask mandates uh, came to pass. And so it's interesting that the state used the, the federal government to justify their mandates. And then once the mandate's in at the federal government, then the state says, well, we're still going to have mandates. So here's the deal. You realize that these government officials love the power, and they've never seen such power as they just exerted on you and me and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of other people. They love it. To have that kind of control is the dream of people in charge that uh, do not love freedom. And so uh, they, they want to be able to jerk people around, tell them what, when to turn the lights out, when to turn the lights on, uh, how much water to use, how much food to eat, what they can eat and uh, how much they can drive, where they can drive. You have to get a permit to drive permission to go over here, permission to go over there. And uh, so what I'm saying to you is that they love the control and now they got a good taste of it and they don't want to give it up and you're going to have to fight to get it back. If you remain passive, uh, you're going to give it up. They can't, the freedom was given to you by God when you were born. And if you want to become an enslaved, that was your choice, but you don't have to be enslaved. And the founding fathers felt that every once in a while, the tree of freedom was going to need to be watered with blood that means people are going to have to pay a cost and people all over this country have been paying a cost. People have been getting arrested for opening their businesses, keeping their businesses open. People have been getting arrested for uh, speaking out against COVID. Uh, people have been facing all kinds of problems. Now the challenge is uh, the situation is that people in government are stealing from the taxpayer and the way they're stealing from us 
is they're di- they're dipping in and benefiting themselves by their services their service on the board and they're benefiting their friends who turn around and benefit them listen this isn't a theory of mine there are books written there's current books by peter schweitzer for instance that are listing this in fact i just saw where lloyd austin the secretary of defense of the united states of america in fact you're going to hear it on one of our clips here today he owns almost 30,000 shares of some medical organization that benefited from COVID. Well, of course, he's going to keep the COVID mandate of injecting all the service members. You'll hear all about that. I don't want to be redundant. I'm just telling you that if you want a free country, you have to act free. You have to say, okay, is this constitutional? And not say, oh, it doesn't rate. I'm not going to, it's not worth fighting over. No, no, no. Everything's worth fighting over. Everything is worth fighting over when it comes down to surrendering your freedom. So that's why, you know, uh, when I went to the hospital the other night with my Afghan friends, I, 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 I'm not going to get a jab to go into that hospital. The jab is, is going to kill people, is killing people. And it's causing people to be uh, uh, their, their immune system to be compromised. Unfortunately, the Afghan refugees that got coming to this country, they all mandatorily got jabbed when they stepped off the plane. They had to wear a mask, and they, if I wanted to go in, since I wasn't jabbed, I had to have a PCR test, which is a fraud. The PCR test is a total fraud. But all these people, it doesn't make any difference anymore. All these people have to uh, just follow the rules, no matter how ridiculous they are. And you know what motivates all of them to follow the rules? Fear. Fear and money. Because they're fearful they're going to lose their job and they need to pay their bills. And the other thing is uh, they want they they want a job, right? They don't want to lose their job and they don't want to get in trouble. So it keeps everybody in check, most people. It's, it's very few people that will throw down and, and will pay the price. But you'll notice them in the papers. They'll, they'll stand up, but, but the government will be relentless in trying to carpet bomb them. Okay, so uh, what's going on is is uh, in our community, in particularly places like uh, the Board of Supervisors, is they're they're self dealing and benefiting themselves with their decision making. The Sutter County Board of Education, Sutter County Office of Education, not the board so much, but the superintendent of schools is benefiting himself and Dan Flores at the expense of the taxpayers. There's no benefits coming to the taxpayers of Sutter County of, of giving a half million dollars of taxpayers money to the private sector to buy a school, right? That's like a shoe factory buying shoes from somewhere else when they already have a shoe factory. They have a shoe factory. They're making shoes. They make good shoes and they make them at le- a less cost to the consumer than uh, the privates, the private business. And so what we did is gave a half million dollars to a supervisor and then pay him $10,000 a month to rent his building. That's just crazy. It's just totally crazy. And it's amazing to me that nobody else is saying a thing about it. They're just going to, people are just so, they'll, I'm, I, I wonder whether anybody will do anything about anything. It's amazing. I was sitting today thinking about the Bartholomew brothers who, it must be about 10 years ago now, the Bartholomew brothers from Wheatland, their dad's an Air Force uh, pilot, I believe. Or, or flies a lot in one of the planes. I don't know whether he's the, the pilot. But they went up. They're libertarian guys. 
two brothers, and they, they just simply stood over an overpass in Yuba County and held up a sign that said, taxes are theft. And the Yuba County Sheriff's Department arrested them. It was unbelievable. And you know what they arrested them for? Because they attached the sign. It was just a, uh, you know, a uh, banner. They, they hooked the banner, to, tied it onto the chain link fence. And, of course, that was a tremendous crime. That one of the we, we're really uh, focused on that type of crime in Yuba County, and so they put him in jail. And they hired an attorney, and they went before the judge, and they lost. Just because they and I see people all the time up and down California, around around the states, people up on overpasses, hanging banners off, waving American flags, doing this, doing that, and and these guys because they said taxes are theft. It was too much for the the government officials. The fact is, taxes aren't theft. Taxes are robbery because it's done under threat of force. Theft is when somebody sneaks into your car, knocks the window out, takes your stereo out or your money out of your car, your purse or your computer. You're not there. Robbery is when they hold you up. That's what's going on with taxes. We're getting robbed. We're getting robbed left and right. We're getting forced. And that, and that's what's, uh, that's what we're up against. So, um, anyway, I want to talk to you about the, uh, Mike Adams with nature's news, nature news, which you should all subscribe to. Uh, I subscribe to it. I, I, I read it every time he sends me something. He sends stuff once or twice a week in email and also children's health defense uh, sends out Bobby Kennedy's group sends out great material. This is really research material. There's doctors involved. There's lawyers involved in this. So there's a, there's a, uh, docuseries, uh, available actually, uh, on May 4th. It's a couple days ago, but you can, you can check this website out. It's called the, tr- the truth about cancer.us, the truth about cancer.us. And, uh, the, uh, the name of the docuseries is Propaganda Exposed. I think it's a long series, and it's, it says features interviews with 30-plus top uh, truth-tellers, whistleblowers, pro-freedom freedom analysts. The series blows the lid on how government and corporate media uses lies, disinformation, and propaganda to terrorize humanity and enslave the world. Now, it's interesting that— uh, let me check. I need to check my time here because I lost track a little bit. So um, it's interesting. The Biden administration, for the first time in the history of the United States government, has now got a group that's going to fact check what you say and what I say. Now, I don't know what they're going to do, whether they're going to uh, uh, capture our bank accounts, whether they're going to uh, arrest us, whether they're going to send us fines, whether they're going to uh, put a lien on our property. There's lots of things they can do to make life miserable for people that want to resist. Uh, so the docuseries says it can it can be watched in full at no charge, and it covers all the big talk, topics from finance and the Federal Reserve money printing machine to vaccines, fake pandemics, censorship, false flags, and much more. Some of the top people interviewed, uh, Judy Mikovits, uh, Bobby Kennedy, Dell Bigtree, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, Mickey Willis, who, who made the pandemic movies, uh, Dr. Edward Group, 
Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, David Wolf, and many, many more. It's not about vaccines and the pandemic either. It's about the global perspective on how governments and institutions use deception and lies to enslave the world and deny humanity its rightful abundance, wealth, and joy. In other words, we're just, you think, oh, I got plenty. Yeah, but if you had all that you should have, you've been getting ripped off big time. And uh, the the people that made it is, is a couple named Ty and Charlene Bollinger. Uh, and so they have an interview on Brighteon, Brighteon, like neon, Brighteon. And uh, every episode can be watched at no charge, and it all begins, it says tomorrow, but I think it's actually May 4th. But it's going to be on, it's Propaganda Exposed is the title. It's a docu-series, so there's going to be more than one segment, a number of segments, and the website is thetruthaboutcancer.us. Now, uh, you can also get DVD sets uh, from probably uh, Nature News. And they say that all the money from the selling the DVD sets or digital downloads are going to go to uh, good causes like Thomas Wren's attorney group, Sherry Tenpenny, Banners for Freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there's a lot of good places they're going to give money to. So I wanted to mention that to you that that's available now because by the time you hear this, it's, you're going to hear it a few days after I've spoken. Um, okay. All right, let me just, uh, okay, I'm just, I've lost track of my time here on my, uh, on my uh, computer site here. I did, I wasn't paying attention and I got it goofed up. So I got to kind of wing it here for a second until I get back on track. All right. Uh, I want to just mention, uh, I don't know whether you, oh, by the way, uh, Yuba City, I don't know whether Marysville, Cal Water has, or Linda or Oliver has, announced anything but yuba city is announcing enforcement of mandatory water violation violations start june 1 2022 now where i i don't know whether i got all the pages this just came across my facebook feed and i don't know whether i got all the pages where it talks about how you can water your lawn uh and usually it's odd days. Certain people can do odd days. Certain people do even days. So you better pay attention because they got the they got the uh, water Nazis out. And uh, so first violation is a warning. Second is a fifty dollar fine. It'll add it to your monthly water bill. So all they do is they're gonna, they're not going to like write you a ticket. They're just going to walk by and see the watering on the wrong day or too much water, or you're out watering your concrete, or your uh, something that you shouldn't be putting water on. Third violation is a hundred dollars. Fourth and subsequent violations are two hundred and fifty dollars each time. And so if you're just a if you're a chronic violator, you're going to get 250, 250, 250, 250, and they're just going to keep adding it on to your bill. So this is all for a problem that's entirely government created. Do you understand that? We've been paying for water resources, paying for bonds, passing and paying for bonds on water resources, add more resources. We're going to add more resources. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And nobody adds any resource. They just take the money. And then we have all this debt to pay off. And then they turn around, and then they they take the money out of Oroville Dam up here and Shasta Dam and Bullards, 
and most of it just ends up in in the the ocean and all the while they blame the farmers what a they just are constantly they're chiefs of deception they blame the farmers and actually the municipal water is the tiniest slice of water there is the biggest amount of water that's used you know what's used by fish it just goes into the ocean just goes right past us right on the in the ocean farmers then get the next segment because they're trying to grow food and every day i like to eat several times a day i just enjoy it man i enjoy it so uh so anyway i'm just checking checking my time here. i'm trying to dial this in correctly so uh i don't get out of line because i goofed i goofed on my timing okay so uh and by the way they have all these meters over there in yuba city that that are all high-tech meters so pay attention okay that's enough to be said on that they haven't i haven't heard anything about marysville i just kind of do what i want over here and see what happens because i know that the water table here is high doesn't matter what happens anywhere else else in california and don't tell me that because i use extra i pay for every drop i use over here and uh it doesn't mean that some smoke smoke you know uh joe doke the ragman down in uh la is going to get cheated out of two glasses of water don't even go there with me it's baloney uh okay let's see five damn okay all right got a couple minutes here and i'm going to take a break all right i want to just mention that that uh there's all kinds of articles on the intentional collapsing of our country and there's an effort right now to shut down food uh, 22 food processing plants uh, had fires or crashes into them, blow-ups in one week. Think about that, people. Even if even if uh, the government or the media doesn't report on stuff like that regularly, 22 in one week. Come on. So uh, we're also having uh, their perp- these are all purposely designed. There's no reason why we're paying five six seven dollars a gallon now Stephen chu under the obama administration he was the head of the department of energy he said no one was going to there wasn't going to be a big move to electric cars unless we could get the the price of uh, gasoline as high as it is up over in europe so he thought maybe nine dollars a gallon and i used to just think oh nine dollars that's that's a lot of money but we're getting there right i I mean we're we're pushing six dollars a gallon here wasn't too long ago so uh that's what's happening and so the the gallon of of a price of gas the price was 72 percent increase uh let's see this is may 2nd article there's been a 72 percent increase from the average price of a year ago so the average price a year ago, according to AAA insurance people, was $3, just a tad over like $3 and a penny, or $3 and eight or, eight or nine cents, three oh eight. Today, uh, they say the average price on Monday, which was yesterday for, or yeah, two days ago, uh, it was $5.32. And and what they're talking about here is the price of diesel. When the price of diesel really goes up or price of gas, it affects everything. It affects the price of every product that you eat or or use. Are you going to get an auto part or you want to buy some paint or you anything? Everything's got to be shipped and it's going to run truckers out of business. But this this government 
wants to break the backs of small business and they're going to break the backs of the small trucker. Do you know that 80, 90% of the truckers in this area, Oh, it says actually it's 95% of all trucking companies in the, in this country operate 20 or fewer trucks each. You think, Oh, well, you know, we have a couple here in town. They have a couple hundred trucks or a hundred trucks, but 95% of them just have a hand. Like there's a couple guys that uh, are operating across from the church of glad tidings. And I asked them how many trucks they had. They said, Lou, we have a dozen trucks. and But they never park them there. They're just always on the road moving freight back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is killing our trucking industry, and it's killing uh, the, the high fuel cost impacts everybody from the poorest person. And, and the rich people don't really give a care. They got somebody else paying for their utilities. And the politicians don't care because they have somebody paying for their utilities. I'm going to take a break here. This is we're at the halfway point and see if I can get back on target here with my time. January 25th, 2022, Thomas Renz, the attorney for doctors Peter Chambers, Teresa Long, and Samuel Sigaloff, testified before Congress regarding data leak directly from the Defense Health Agency's Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, otherwise known as DMED. Within DMED exists the Defense Medical Surveillance System's DMSS, which contains up-to-date and historic data on diseases, medical events, and data on DOD personnel. The database is similar to VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, but it's distinct in that it only applies to DOD personnel, and only medical providers can input information into the system. Upon inspection, we can see that information has been gathered from a five-year average of dozens of diseases and medical disorders. Myocardial infarction, or a heart attack, rose 269% in a 10-month period from January to November of 2021, from 612 cases to 1,650. Pericarditis rose 175% from 589 cases to 1,029. Myocarditis rose 285% from 127 cases to 363. Pulmonary embolisms rose 467% from 746 cases to 3,489. Cerebral infarction, Bell's palsy, immunodeficiencies, ITP, menstrual irregularity, MS, neoplasms, non-traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage, spontaneous abortion or miscarriage, all rose at least 250% or higher, some cases 350%. Disseminated intravascular coagulation, a rare and serious condition that disrupts your blood flow due to a blood clotting disorder that can turn into uncontrollable bleeding, rose 1,175% from 7 to 87 documented incidents. HIV, often leads to AIDS, 
rose 590% from 454 cases to 2,681. Chest pain, which averaged 4,892 reported incidents from 2016 to 2020, rose 1,529% to 74,813 individuals. Dyspnea which is difficult or labored breathing, rose 905% from 4,968 to 44,990. You may ask why. Why would the Department of Defense knowingly continue to harm the service members who comprise the military? While we can't answer that question for certain, we can offer a great deal of information which we've used to form our own opinion. Documents we released in October of 2021 revealed a 158-page RMP titled Comirnaty COVID-19 mRNA Vaccine Risk Management Plan, which laid out plans to study DOD data in relation to service members' response to COVID-19 vaccines. A document within the study titled Pharmacovigilance Plan highlights C4591011 a post-authorization study for personnel within the DOD and their family members, and how myocarditis and pericarditis affect those who have taken Pfizer's BioNTech EUA vaccine. The sponsor, in this case the DOD, has agreed to provide regular studies of the EUA vaccine on service members in periodic safety update reports. Because Pfizer has not produced their FDA-approved Comirnaty, and we know based on our own research and reporting, along with numerous other publications, that EUA vaccines are the only vaccines available to service members. We can surmise that American military forces have been used as a giant study group for over a year now. We also know that Pfizer's Comirnaty, which once again hasn't even been produced, was given BLA licensing on August 23rd of 2021 from the FDA and had that same BLA license withdrawn on the same day. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin announced a mandatory vaccine for service members on August 24th based on the licensing, even though the license had been withdrawn before his announcement. Due to the political influence applied to the vaccine and the amount of money that was made off of its distribution, it's hard to imagine an agreement wasn't made behind closed doors to make the vaccine appear as if it had been approved by the FDA. The Secretary of Defense himself owns over 29,000 shares of Tenet Health, a company that made a vast amount of money from Pfizer's vaccine and lined the SecDef's pockets along the way. Because of the unlawful manner in which the service branches applied the Secretary of Defense's order, Hundreds of service members have been discharged under the false pretense of disobeying an unlawful order, and thousands more have been barred from reenlisting or continuing to serve after their contracts expire. What we're witnessing is nothing less than an outright assault on the armed forces who protect America's Constitution and subsequently her freedoms. Sources have told us that DOD tried very hard to conceal this information and prevent it from getting out. The release of this information implicates numerous officials at the highest levels of the Pentagon in numerous crimes. The expulsion of those service members who refused the vaccine, along with the thousands who were injured or killed because of it, 
will have disastrous effects on the United States national security in the immediate and long-term future. came across my feed here the other day and I've talked about it before <clears throat> but it just reminded me of how idiotic and egregious this whole cancel culture is and I remember before we really started into this cancel culture thing and with our full foot to the floor I remember watching ISIS under Obama just go through museum after museum and tear down uh, statue after statue anything having to do with their past history instead of learning from our history and appreciating our history, not necessarily endorsing our history, they just torched and destroyed everything that they could and, uh, including people. And, uh, and never in my wildest dreams would I thought that we would get a version of that, of ISIS here in, uh, in our country. And so one of the things I've been aware of, uh, more and more aware of as I've read things coming across my feeds about slavery and about the slave trade internationally going back hundreds of years and about black people in America has been that the blacks generally either don't know what they're talking about in the United States when they talk about their heritage. I think they just really repeat a lot of myths, M-Y-T-H-S. And uh, because from the very beginning... Um, there were blacks that were free blacks and there were blacks that had slaves. I'm not saying that they had a majority of slaves. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you the, the picture that usually isn't uh, described. There were, for instance, if all blacks were suffering and were all slaves, then how and why would you have uh, blacks getting involved in Republican politics? How and creating the Republican party, how would you have blacks fighting on behalf of the revolutionaries against Great Britain, how would you have blacks fighting on behalf of the North in the Civil War? Along with the abolitionists, right? There were a lot more things going on that, than the average person understands. And so, and the other thing that's fascinating, if you, if you care to study about it, is that there were many, 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 many black professionals they didn't all just start after slavery. There were doctors, there were lawyers, there were teachers, there were contractors. In fact, uh, in the early 1900s, there were so many successful contractors uh, in the South doing undercutting and uh, underbidding white contractors that they passed the Davis-Bacon Act uh, to push them out of the business. Again, I, I'm not saying there wasn't ever any um, underhandedness or skullduggery or racism. They're still going on. Uh, they're, they're still. I'm talking about most of the time on all these shows. I'm talking about all the terrible things that have been done uh, to all kinds of people. Doesn't have anything to do whether they were um, of a different race flavor or ethnic flavor. But this lady, um, Nancy Green, you probably don't recognize her name. Uh, 
you, you know, as I mentioned, there were there were wealthy people that became wealthy uh, that were black people. And I'm happy for it. I'm just saying that that's never portrayed. That story is never, never told. You know, we have we have a billionaire, a millionaire blacks here in this country today. But we also have an inner city that has crappy public schools and it keeps people in chains. And they're very poor today. Right. So that's two sides of the same black coin. Uh, but because we have unions and the liberals controlling the inner city schools are all our schools pretty much. And and they're socialists. Uh, black kids and a lot of white kids don't want to have anything to do with them. So this says a great woman uh, was erased from history by idiots. The branding of the syrup was a tribute to this woman's gifts and talents. Remember Aunt Jemima? Aunt Jemima. Wasn't, they just came up with a name for a person. That wasn't even the lady's name. She was hired just like, uh, you know, sometimes people want to be models or sometimes they want to be in... Uh, they want, to, they want to be an actor in an advertisement, right? Whether it's on the radio or TV. So this woman was hired, uh, says future generations will never even know this beautiful woman existed. What a shame, the person writes. The world knew her as Aunt Jemima, but her given name was Nancy Green. Like a lot of actors, they have their birth name and then they take a stage name. She was a true American success story. She was born a slave in 1834, Montgomery County, Kentucky, and became a wealthy superstar in the advertising world as its first living trademark. Do you hear me? A black, it wasn't the first black living trademark. It was the first living trademark. Green was 56 years old when she was selected as spokesperson for a new ready-mix self-rising pancake flour. That was the initial product, pancake flour. And she made her debut in 1893 at a fair and exposition in Chicago. She demonstrated the pancake mix and served thousands of pancakes and became an immediate star. She was a great storyteller. Her personality was warm and appealing, and her showmanship was exceptional. Her exhibition booth drew so many people that special security personnel were assigned to keep the crowds moving and back from her. Nancy Green was signed to a lifetime contract. Do you hear me what I said? When have you ever heard of a person getting a lifetime contract? She traveled on promotional tours all over the country and was extremely well paid. Her financial freedom and stature as a national spokesperson enabled her to become a leading advocate against poverty and in favor of equal rights for every American. She maintained her job until her death in 1923. She was 89. She, they paid her from the time she was 56 to the time she was 89. 33 years. That's a long time. There, this was a remarkable, remarkable woman. And uh, sadly, idiots have, have erased her from, from uh, our country now because of politics. The guy says, or the lady says, whoever wrote this, I wanted you to know and remind you in this cancel culture time period what's going on. Really sad. Another guy that went along the way, a number of people have gone, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben's converted rice, right? And also the Land of the Lakes Indian lady. 
remember the little Indian sits female that sits on the land of lakes, butter and all those dairy products. Now you just have a lake. Just wasn't right to have to honor our Indian heritage, our indigenous heritage. Wasn't right to honor Aunt Jemima. And this woman made millions of dollars. And now uh, it was wrong that she was so successful and the first black, first living trademark of any flavor. Just unbelievable. So here, here's another uh, situation that I've been following. You probably, if you listen to the show, you've been hearing me follow it. Megan uh, Rapino, remember R- Megan Rapino? We had the great uh, soccer teams for a number of years, and uh, and then we uh, sorry, my, uh, my counter's goofing off again. We had the great uh, soccer teams. For a number of years, we won the world championship, and uh, Megan Rapino happened to be on a couple of those championship teams and was a leader. And then she came out, uh, as some of the athlete, uh, female athletes are, uh, they're lesbians. She came out as a lesbian, and then she went on beyond that, and she, when uh, Colin Kaepernick began to kneel and disrespect the flag, and anybody that was a, a associated with the flag she uh, she began to do the same thing and interestingly enough it's amazing to me how i think you know you see a real successful business whether it's starbucks or any of these chains you think wow wow they they got they got it going on man they got it going on and then they'll make some incredibly stupid choices to to, to just like disney right now uh to sabotage their own operations like being in a lifeboat and stabbing it with a knife right to pop the air out of it so the subway a while back they picked a guy that i I didn't know who this guy was but his name's jared fogel he became the national spokesperson for subway and he later uh, was uh, during his being a national spokesperson. I don't know whether I don't watch the Hollywood stuff. Maybe he's an actor or something. He was convicted and went to jail on child porn charges. And uh, so after that, the headquarters hired Megan Rapino. Uh, right after they lost, uh, they they lost in the the competition in the to- Tokyo Olympics. And then she began to disrespect the United States. And I talked about this. And uh, so this is the subway food chain been struggling anyway, even before coronavirus. But many franchise owners also felt that hiring soccer, the soccer star and anthem protester Rapino uh, as a spokesperson was no help. Subway lost 1,043 outlets in 2021, which was more than the new outlets they open in other words each year some close some open so they went backwards as a as a corporation they lost the loss only added to the 1609 lost outlets in 2020 at the height of coronavirus and 999 in 2019 the number of closed restaurants means that subway's national footprint has contracted or shrunk 15 percent 
and 22% overall since 2016. In contrast, McDonald's only shrunk 3.4% over the last few years because of the COVID mess. So I, I, we have a number of, of subways around here. They don't look too busy to me. I, I drive by them all in my, just my running back and forth around town, and it's interesting. Uh, they just don't look that busy, and I've, I've not bought anything from them since they took Rapino on. And I don't know how many people do this themselves, but when they chose Megan Rapino, who, who took uh, joy in disrespecting the United States of America, and particularly those that serve us, the military and law enforcement, I thought, you know something? I, there's plenty of places to eat food without going to Subway. And I've done the same thing with Starbucks. I've never really been a, th- a big fan of Starbucks that, and, and some of their uh, political persuasions. But I just uh, there's just plenty of places to drink coffee other than Starbucks, and I feel the same about that. I'm not trying to get you to do anything. I'm just telling you, uh, I'm just observing this is having a backlash, and it's having an effect on uh, on Subway, and I'm sure it's having an effect on uh, Starbucks. I mean, I I I haven't been in Starbucks for years now since COVID. And I don't ever intend to go back. I'm just not interested. So, uh, or, you know, I used to use up, try to use up, I get, I'd have gift cards given to me and I'd use a gift card or something like that. But, uh, but I, uh, it just, uh, why would, why would you support somebody that's trying to uh, denigrate your country? Unless you agree with Megan Rapinoe, then you should go out and eat all those foot-long subways you, as you can. So uh, anyway, uh, I thought it was a, a great a great point. So uh, I wanted to mention, let me go up here before I get into this. I want to talk about Kathy Bodine in a minute, but I want to go up and just uh, start mentioning some of the folks that are making it happened for me i i every day i drive around our area it doesn't matter what time of the day or night 24 hours a day is craziness in marysville and it's like we have a mental asylum but there's no asylum it's just a mental ward with people running freely right there's no walls right and uh never before have we needed security services private security service more than we do now because we just simply can't keep people I mean, out at, of at, at Glad Tidings where we have a warehouse, we've had people drive through the roll-up doors, drive through the person doors with a vehicle, crash them. We've had people disassemble the sides of the building. We've had people break into 52-foot trailers with all the locks on them and stuff. It's just, it, you know, when people want to break in anywhere, they can do that pretty much. And... uh Never before have we needed security services that we do now. And so Elite Universal Security is a Yuba County-initiated company. (coughs) Excuse me, I have some pollen in my nose. Elite Universal Security is a Yuba County company that started by a veteran named Monty Hecker. And they operate all over Northern California. So they're looking for workers because it's busy, busy, busy. And they're looking, they're always wanting to help people, keep people out of their stealing from them so i wanted to uh tell you that if you wanted a part-time job 
They will train you. You can call them at 530-749-0280. You may be on a retirement income right now, and you think, man, this is getting ridiculous. Groceries are up like 20%. Gas is up 50% over a couple of years ago. Uh, so maybe you want to work 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, and I'm sure they would take you on. Uh, they will train you, and they'll train you here in Yuba County and online. And so you can look at EliteUniversalSecurity.com, or you could go to APIAcademy.com. That's their schooling. But they will help you in every way. Uh, For others that don't want to be a guard, uh, but you want some security, they will help you get your uh, concealed weapon permit, teach you how to shoot at their range, and uh, help you get on board there. Even if you wanted to learn how to use tasers and all that kind of stuff, they will help you. So they're here at 5548 Federal Boulevard, but if you just looked them up, you can connect with them by the uh, websites or by 530-749-0280. They do all kinds of work for government, farming, um, anything, individuals. um, You know, there's always a lot of thefts. I think I mentioned last week, or maybe it was just on the radio, I mentioned that uh, KMYC, that, that where the towers are at KMYC, where the the old studio burned down. Somebody went out there and dug up a trench. They knew where the copper line that goes underground to feed the towers, to send out the, the, uh, the signal. They, they dug down, took the entire thing apart and dug out the copper, uh, out of the, the tubing. Unbelievable. So, uh, that's just what's going on. Elite universal security. Check them out. Also, uh, thrifty rooter They're um, uh, they're pushing 50 years. These guys are pushing 50 years doing business around here. So if you have any kind of problem with your plumbing, uh, water running any wrong way, or you can't find the water anymore, or you, or you can't get rid of water that needs to go, they will help get the water where it's supposed to be, whether it's down coming out your faucet without leaking or getting out of the house where it's supposed to be. So thriftyrooter.net, uh, you can reach them by website or off your phone. And they have actually just have some some uh, services that you can just say, I, okay, I need that service, that service, that service. You just click a little X next to them, and then you can send them an email or a little message right off your phone. Or you could dial them up at 530-673-8201. So they're here in Yuba Sutter and surrounding counties, and they're based in Yuba City. But they serve a number of counties, and they they do not only just regular, what I call regular plumbing, and uh, sorting out all the problems that can happen with the house or a business, but they also do uh, pump septic tanks, which I think is, because we're in a rural area up here, so a lot of you out there got septic tanks, and they will solve that problem right away, at least to take the pressure off till you figure out what's wrong with your leach field or what's wrong uh, with how the system's working. So five, three, zero, six, seven, three, eight, two, zero, one. And then I was talking to Dr. Cassidy and I've called him up last night and just said, Hey, how's business? In other words, are you getting a lot of addicts in and, uh, life is busy. We have a major addiction, uh, meltdown happening in this country. And, uh, it just doesn't seem that the, our local government cares. I, I know that Obviously, law enforcement and medical respond when there's a 911 call. But I'm talking about proactive intervention uh, with addiction and the the spread of uh, narcotic drugs. I'm talking primarily about narcotics 
in this area is very dangerous. Kids that are thinking they're taking an Oxy or a uh, Norco uh, are actually taking a fake Norco or Oxy. They call them fentapills, and it's killing them because a Norco or Oxy isn't going to kill you. Take one or two of them. (coughs) But if you take one or two fentapills and they look just like them, they make them look just like the others uh, because the others cost more, so the fentapills are cheaper, it will kill them. Young people are dying because of this, and our government does nothing. I'm telling you, the government is standing. They used to, like, uh, evaluate addicts every single day of the week over there at Behavioral Health. You know, now you, it's like Tuesday, Thursdays or something. It's unbelievable. It, how, would, how would Adventist Health be if they said, oh, we're only going to take heart attack victims on Tuesday, Thursdays? Unbelievable. It's just crazy. You know, it's it's our government, and they don't care. So I'm going to take a break here, and I think I'm just guessing the time's up. So I'm going to take a break and be right back. Good. You know, Brock and I, we did the deal. We got one, Obamacare, health care, two. We got infrastructure coming up, building bridges, three. We got the other thing with the, the other stuff that we did. Come on, you know it's true. And everybody's doing well. I'm peeing three times, middle of the night, like clockwork. Oh, President, President Kamala, I mean, Vice President, excuse me. He told me I'll take your money and take your house too. Did you know that some towns in America are basically stealing people's homes? One missed property tax payment and the government can take your home, sell it, and keep all of the profits. I'm just still in shock. Tawanda Hall was behind on her property taxes. She was on a payment plan, but she'd missed $900. She didn't expect to lose her entire $300,000 home. They took my whole house, my whole family's livelihood. And they didn't give you change. They kept it all. $286,000 more than what she owed. The county's lawyers says this practice may sound unfair. But it's also unfair to force those who pay their taxes to subsidize those who don't. I pay taxes. She's a nurse assistant. I'm on a brain trauma unit. I lift people, I bathe people, I work hard. When she found out she was gonna lose her home, she wanted to pay off the debt. I went to the mayor's office, I went down to the city county building. They didn't want our money. They said no. They wanted your house, your $300,000 house rather than your tax payment. They stole our home from us and from our family and it was a shock to all of us. Why isn't this illegal? I think it is illegal. I think it's unconstitutional. Christina Martin of the Pacific Legal Foundation. The government can't take more than it's owed. This is unjust and it is unconstitutional. Martin won a similar case in Michigan's Supreme Court when a county took an entire home. Over, get this, an $8 debt. The government argued. There couldn't be anything more fair than informing property owners of what is going to happen, giving them time to act 
and then letting them make an informed choice. Do you think if he knew he owed $8, he would have paid it? Of course. He didn't know, and there wasn't a proper incentive to let him know. So the government has an incentive to notify them in legalese so they can't understand it? Yes, and then they also have an incentive not to work with people when they are honestly trying to pay, like Tawanda Hall. We did not receive anything other than get out. Despite that Supreme Court ruling, a judge dismissed Tawanda's case because the government itself in her case did not make a profit. The town gave her home to this private company. It got the money. The government shouldn't be able to steal from its own people and then to give it over to their friends is just... How do you know that they're their friends? The company is literally run by the mayor and the city administrator. Southfield Mayor Ken Cyber acknowledges the company made $10 million selling foreclosed houses. Dear Mayor Cyber, I told him if I bring the money in today, could I get my property back? He told me point blankly, no, if you bring the money in, I'll take your money and take your house too. I wanted to ask him if he personally profited but he wouldn't agree to an interview. I didn't think I was going to lose my house over $3,900. It's kind of crazy to find out how common this is in 11 states. Local governments, if you're behind on your taxes, can grab your home and keep much more than what you owed. Some guy comes in and says, how long will it take for you to get out? We have a client who's sleeping in her car right now. The city took her property, turned around and sold it within days of evicting her for $242,000. You have gotten three states to stop doing this. Yes, we're asking the government to stop stealing people's life savings. Good, it often destroys lives. After Tawanda's home was taken, her husband did construction work to try to recover their losses. He got sick, but then kept working. He died shortly after. It was terrible just to know that he struggled trying to make it right. This message is for Alejandro Mayorkas, communist, socialist, and tremendous son of a... I'd spit on you, but you're not worth the saliva. You were born in Cuba and got to the U.S. when your Jewish parents fled Castro's communism for freedom in Miami. Incredibly, you also moved to Beverly Hills. Bro, please explain how Cuban refugees got to Beverly Hills, a city of millionaires and billionaires. Just kidding. I'm Cuban myself, so I can imagine where the money came from and the connections your parents had to have had to make that move. Moving on. You graduated UC Berkeley with honors in 81 and in 85 you became a lawyer and began your political career during Bill Clinton's term. One of the most corrupt politicians this nation has ever suffered. Anyhow, you rose in power during Barack Obama's term when he made you director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. I guess those connections really paid off, huh? You created DACA and gave legal protection to children of illegal immigrants. Oh yeah, and you gave visas to Haitians after the earthquake of 2010. Of course, that was just to cover for the millions of dollars the Clintons stole through their foundation after promising to rebuild the country. Okay, never trust a Democrat. In 2016, you became partner in the law firm of Wilmer, Cutler, Pickering, Hale, and Dorr. The same law firm that defended criminals like Ivan Boski, who made millions through insider trading, and that also defended the Swiss banks and German businesses that exploited and profited from the Holocaust. The same Holocaust that your mother escaped. You're disgusting. Biden made you director of Homeland Security in 2020, and now you want to use your office to censure free speech in America? You're a hypocrite. You should have just stayed in Cuba. You don't deserve freedom. <laughs> You're just lucky you don't live in Miami. Why? Hmm, let's just say that Miamians aren't huge fans of communists like you. You're a disgrace to Cubans everywhere, but I assure you that your efforts are in vain. 
because Americans have rights that were paid for in blood. Remember that. God bless America. Talking okay, but I uh, I'm not running my equipment very well today, so I hope things kind of come out okay. I'm gonna we're in our fifth segment here, and I got a clip to play for you that's a little long, but uh, there's some good information that I think you're gonna need and uh, to prepare you for the future. And we've we've talked in bits and pieces about the global reset, about the World Economic Forum, about Klaus Schwab, about all the heads, you know, Klaus Schwab has his own propaganda school that he sends all these young intellects to out of these Ivy League colleges and prepares them to be politicians. And then whether they're uh, Gavin Newsom or George Bush or Macron of France or uh, Fidel Trudeau of of uh, Canada, whoever they are, they've all been they've been mentored by Klaus Schwab. That's why we have a problem right now. It's one of the reasons. And so this clip, uh, it's, it's called The Terrifying Prediction for 20, 2030. And I want to play it right now, and I'll be right back. By now, I'm sure you have heard some of these taglines. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Great Reset, and the Great Narrative. And of course, you will own nothing and be happy. And I'm sure you've seen the face of this guy being praised as a visionary who will guide our world into a prosperous future, but what does that really mean? And what is the World Economic Forum's plan for the world in 2030? Will it be a world of increased inclusion, equity, and freedom for all? Or as many people fear, will it be exactly the opposite? I'm not here to answer that question, but what I would like to do is propose a hypothetical future scenario. A scenario that the WEF is promoting and the type of world we could be living in by 2030. A world where your property, your identity, your money could be owned and controlled by your government. At the end of the video, I do want you to make up your own mind whether you think the WEF is a force for good on the planet or if we should be having some concerns and if we should be asking some questions. So let's get into it, shall we? But before we do, we do have an amazing newsletter that people rave about, 60,000 people and counting. So if you want to join a fellow freedom seekers, there is a link in the bio. To make my case today, I am going to be speaking about what I believe could be the three main pillars that surround the World Economic Forum's agenda for 2030 and discussing some of the things that they are promoting around the now famous event called the Great Reset. Before I start, though, I just want you to keep two things in mind. Number one, the World Economic Forum and the leader, Klaus Schwab, haven't been elected by anyone. Yet despite this fact, they are trying to influence politics all around the world in all order to transform the planet that we live on. Secondly, all of the resources that I'm sharing in this video are coming from verifiable sources, many of which are directly from the WEF's website. If you want to confirm any of the information, there is more info in the description. So let us discuss the three hypothetical pillars and how it might affect our lives. Pillar one, surveillance. 
The first pillar in the 2030 agenda is the possibility of total surveillance of every single one of us. And the way the WEF could achieve this is by us requiring a new form of identification. The World Economic Forum suggests that every single person on the planet will receive a new form of digital ID, which they say would help promote a world of inclusion where everyone has more access to basic services. But they also suggest this ID could be linked to absolutely everything in your life. It could be required to book plane and train tickets and track where it is you're going. This digital ID would be needed to access social media, the internet, bank accounts, and even a requirement in order to spend your money. And without your ID, it's possible you may not be able to buy anything at all. And who would control your digital ID and the data it contains? Well, of course, your government would. In short, absolutely every action you take in your modern life could be tracked by this new type of personal ID. What your online habits are, where you go, what you buy online, what you say online, and so much more. And if you think this kind of a system is a little bit worrying, well, you're not the only one that thinks this way. Just recently, Kenya's high court ruled a digital ID system to be illegal in the country because they fear it could be abused by the government in order to violate a person's basic right to privacy. But the WEF doesn't agree. They think it's gonna do more good than harm. But anyway, where would you be carrying this new form of ID? Well, according to the WEF, you could be carrying it inside your body. In his book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, Schwab talks heavily about how RFID chips could be used to track goods and packages around the world, enabling our economy to become significantly more efficient. But in referencing the same technology, he also said this, in the near future, similar monitoring systems will also be applied to the movement and tracking of people. He also says that the fourth industrial revolution will lead to a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. Echoing this on the website, the WEF discusses a future where electronic implants could become a relatively normal part of human life. Lastly, I want to mention something I've spoken about on this channel before, which is in regards to the WEF's potential forecast for a future of surveillance which comes from an article published on Forbes, which is written by a WEF contributor. The article is titled, Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. And the line I want to highlight is as follows. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know somewhere everything I do, think, and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. To be clear, this article was written by Ida Alkin, who is a Danish politician and also a member of the WEF, writing as a contributor for the World Economic Forum. So this is pillar number one, surveillance. And later on, I'm gonna be talking about how the world of surveillance ties in with pillar three. But for now, let's talk about the second pillar, which is finance. Pillar two, finance. The next pillar of the Great Reset agenda could be around finance and more specifically, putting more control of money and assets in the hands of the government. So you know the line, you will own nothing and you will be happy? Well, this is the pillar where this could be playing out. In multiple articles on their own website and elsewhere, the WEF predicts a world where people will no longer own most of the things they use in life. Instead, through a sharing economy, items like clothing and cooking equipment will be owned by your government and delivered to you when you need them. 
But according to a WEF member, sometimes you won't even need to decide what you need because an algorithm that knows your tastes better than you do could make these choices for you instead. And your home? Well, soon that could be owned by the government as well, but you won't have to pay rent because someone else will be using your space when you're not there. In short, everything that you own now could soon hypothetically be owned by your government. But the most important tool asset that you have, which we use every single day to exchange value, Value, which is money, seems that the WEF might have a plan for that as well. The WEF talks heavily about how cash in the modern world is risky and how it should be replaced by digital money. And even though statistics show that many countries around the world would prefer to use cash over electronic forms of money, the WEF believes these people just don't know what's good for them. Instead, they believe we should all be switching over to electronic payment systems as it's the way of the future. So what could replace a world where we no longer have any kind of physical money? Well, the next step would be to develop a secure digital currency that everybody can use. It's kind of like crypto, except the future digital currency proposed wouldn't be decentralized. It would be completely controlled by your government. And this is called the Central Bank Digital Currency or CBDC. A CBDC would be fully trackable, traceable, and a secure form of currency that, like Bitcoin, lives on a blockchain. But it would be also fully centralized. It would be money controlled by those in power instead of being in the hands of the people. With a CBDC, your money would no longer be held in a bank account either. Instead, proposals suggest cutting out what they call the middleman, with your government becoming the bank that directly holds your money for you. Nations like United States, Brazil, China, Canada, Germany, Austria, and Australia are already at certain stages of research or developing a CBDC, meaning we may be only a couple of years away from this becoming a reality. But potentially most worrying of all, a CBDC would also be fully programmable, meaning your government could place whatever rules they wanted on your money, potentially allowing you to only spend your money on the items that they deem appropriate, or even worse, cutting off your access to your money altogether. In short, it would become the perfect tool in order to track and control your money, the very thing that we need in order to survive in today's world. If you want to learn more, I've recently made a video about CBDCs. Feel free to watch that one after you watch this one. Now, let's move on to pillar three, scoring. Finally, the last part of the WEF's hypothetical plan for 2030 is scoring, basically ranking human beings against each other based on almost every single action that they take. And this is called the social credit system. Simply put, it is judging how good or bad of a citizen you are based on almost every single thing that you do in your day-to-day -day life. Rewarding people who are doing things that the government likes and punishing people that do the opposite. Sounds depressing? Well, there is already one place on earth that has implemented this system. China. Today, China has already the world's most restrictive social credit system. It's a system where citizens are ranked based on almost everything they do in day-to-day -day life. From how long they play video games to how well they drive, what their shopping habits are, and whether they buy too many luxury items, and especially what they say online as well as who they associate with. If a person's score gets too low, they can lose access to things in life that many of us would argue are human rights. Things like a passport, bank loans, or access to putting their children in a good school. And if your score gets low enough, there are even reports the governments can come and take your dog away. Only a few years ago, China was already banning upwards of 20 million people a year from buying a plane or train ticket because their social credit score was too low. And guess who is a big fan of China's system and the country's current leader? You guessed it, this guy. 
Klaus Schwab recently gave China's president a glowing introduction at World Economic Forum event and praised Xi's leadership as well as his nation's economic achievements. Don't like the idea of a credit score? Well, unfortunately, they soon could be coming to a country near you. The first social credit system in Europe is set to begin rolling out in Italy later this year. And the Australian city of Darwin has also proposed one as well. A social credit system like this would neatly slot in with the surveillance pillar and it would make the scoring of every individual very easy because if we all have digital IDs, we could easily be scored on our every action. Now, I personally believe that the very idea of a social credit system is disgusting, pinning humans against each other and ranking them based on their behavior? No thank you. But whether you feel as strongly about this issue as I do or not, there is one thing that really can't be argued with. That a system like this would eventually mean that the government would control the people and how they live. It would mean that people would have to act the way that the government would want them to act. And those that don't toe the line, they would lose their rights and privileges financial privileges, economic privileges, and basic human freedoms. To me, this sounds like the perfect way of controlling a population and removing everybody's individual free will. But hey, maybe that's just me. I'd love to know your thoughts. The conclusion. In the end, these three hypothetical pillars seem to be pointing to one eventuality. Absolute control. The control of people by tracking their every move. The control of a society by locking down its access to money and the things they need to survive and the control of an individual's behavior and choices with a restrictive social credit system. And to me, it does seem like the WEF is promoting things that could make this kind of a system a reality. As I said at the start of this video, I really want you to make up your own mind about what you believe is going on. But as you do, just remember this. The WEF is an organization that none of us have elected an organization that is funded by some of the richest and most powerful companies that have ever existed. It's an organization that is installing its young global leaders in political cabinets all around the world to shape the laws of our nations. And seemingly, it's an organization that thinks it knows better than we do about the individual choices we should all be making. Personally, I want to live in a world where I get to make my own choices, that I get to decide what I want to do and what I enjoy, and not having some government or algorithm deciding this for me. Where I get to say what I want, where I get to associate with who I want without the fear of having some imaginary brownie points taken away from me. And where my financial future is still in my own hands. So I can decide if I want to buy or own things that bring me joy. I could be wrong, but it seems that the WEF doesn't want this for us. So do tell me again. Who elected these people in order for them to dictate the kind of future that we are going to be potentially living in? Not me, and I guarantee not you either. So let me know your thoughts below and stay tuned for more on this topic very soon. All right. Well, I hope uh, that gave you an overview that you needed about the Great Reset. If you think that's just uh, people that think that might happen, that's actually in process right now at every level that she's talking about. So I want to move, move on and go back to talking about drug abuse uh, for a second and uh, mention that uh, each week, Dr. Cassidy and I, because we've been putting our names out there in various forums, whether it's on the radio or through handouts into homeless populations, uh, we give our cell numbers out and or little small eight and a half by 11 posters we put up in laundromats, people that might frequent there and uh, not that all addicts are poor, but we're just getting the word out. And so we're into helping people not die uh, from an addiction. 
And uh, the reason that the government doesn't uh, perform well is because they don't get paid on outcomes. When when I worked in uh, various businesses, paint contracting, all kinds of things, accounting, paint contracting, various things, we always got paid on outcome. You did a job, you got paid. Did, did a job, got paid. If the government uh, got paid uh, or got allotted, distributed certain amounts of money per addict that they got into recovery, they would work a lot harder at it. They'll be a lot more purposeful uh, at working at it. But usually it's not their own uh, person that dies, their own teenager. Many times it's teenagers that are dying uh, or young, young 20-somethings, people in the prime of their life. Uh, that are dying. And so there's really no incentive. Uh, nobody really cries any big tears. You remember during COVID how the health officer uh, actually expressed her condolences to people dying of COVID, just what a fraud she is. And uh, but she didn't express any uh, condolences for people killing themselves because of COVID, her, her own policies, or because of the supervisors like Dan Flores' policies, or people that were, uh, you know, one of my friends uh, st- that was troubled, and uh, it was a user stepped in front of a train and killed himself. Uh, just I can just go on and on and on. Nobody shared any crocodile tears over them. Nobody sh- shed any tears uh, about uh, students killing themselves or going on to drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the government uh, takes all this money. It doesn't matter what area it's in. They waste it. it they waste it in a big way. And then they always pat themselves on the back and take photos and post them on Facebook and in the newspaper uh, telling what a wonderful thing. I remember when they started Bendorf Zoo down here to house um, uh, homeless people in sheds, tool sheds, surrounded by a uh, uh, cyclone fence. And they all stood there smiling with the health officer who was horrified at that time. It was a different health officer, uh, Nicole Quick. She was horrified at the entire idea they were doing, but the supervisors thought it was so fun and so innovative, and they're so stupid. And so uh, anyway, that's just what's going on. So if you need help with drug addiction, call Peachtree Health and ask for Dr. Joe Cassidy. The number at Peachtree Health is 530-749-3242. Sometimes we get people that are working the front end of that place that I'm describing as as like government. They don't care about your loved one. They're just pushing buttons and doing what they're told, and they don't really uh, give a rip about your your life. If you feel that you can't get through, you can uh, text Dr. Cassidy at 530-682-8648. He will make the appointment for you. If all else fails, maybe he's busy, please don't call him. Just text him. You can always call or text me at 530-713-1838. We will help you uh, get in and get the type of medical treatment you need, the counseling you need. Uh, I just met with, I saw a guy uh, yesterday at a farm operation. The farmers asked me to help him. He's a great worker, really bright guy, really does generally a good job, but had problems with alcohol. And that we got him some help, and he told me how he was doing good. So a lot of people are, the big secret here, a lot of people are getting into rehabs, going to therapy, going to see uh, the people they need to get the help. So uh, way to go. And uh, finally, the plumbing doctor, Ted Holmes, they're all down in, in uh, this two weeks. There are a lot of the, the guys, his friends, friends of mine, are down working on an orphanage five, hour below the, five hours below the border into Mexico. By car, and uh, but that the plumbing doctor 
plods on. And so there's several crews of plumbing doctor vans around, and uh, you can reach them at 530-671-9111, 24 hours a day. Uh, and they will come and fix your problems you're having with your house or business or whatever you got going on. Uh, they'll solve your plumbing problems quickly and efficiently. So uh, just give them a call at 671-9111. They have dispatchers. All these people, you know, Elite Universal Security, Thrifty Rooter, Plumbing Doctor, all have these dis- dispatchers that do do a great job to get the help you need as fast as they can. So uh, give them a shout out. And uh, finally, Greenest Construction, uh, 530-682-9602. He was working over at the East Street house, frame, uh, putting the trim back on the interior or exterior doors. Uh, and uh, so he, he was doing an independent contractor operation, working on his own this weekend. But Greenest Construction is the, the premier bathroom and kitchen remodeler if you want the best. Uh, you should call them or you could text them or connect with them off their platforms at greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction. If you never spelled the name, you just add E-T-Z, not I-T-Z, E-T-Z on the end of the color green, Greenitz Construction. And just tell them you heard it on Live with Lou or you heard it on the No Hostage Radio podcast. So he'll get a kick out of it. I don't think he'll do it for free, do your kitchen or bath for free, but he'll he'll treat you right. I wanted to talk about Kathy Bodine. You know, it's interesting when you've lived long enough, you, you actually participate in history instead of just reading history that happened 100 years before you or 200 years, and you don't really see how things connect together. But uh, when I was a youngster going through college, or I tried some college and dropped out, uh, there there was the, a group called the Weathermen Underground, uh, or the student socialist group, and they were—they uh, not only didn't like what was going on in the United States, but they were doing violent acts, exploding things, uh, sitting in places. But they were also doing acts of violence, robbing, uh, blowing up again buildings. And one of the the people that did that is a lady named Kathy Boudin, B-O-U-D-I-N. She was a youngster back in the day, and she was running with a guy named David Gilbert. And they never married, but they produced a child who later uh, became, is now, the uh, district attorney of uh, San Francisco, named Sessa Bodine, B-O-U-D-I-N. And Sessa, well, I'll talk about him in a minute. He's uh, being recalled right now because of his uh, following in his mother's footsteps that everybody should be set free and that people were just a uh, a product of an unjust society, and that's why they're doing the things they do. So, uh, D- Kathy Boudin, what happened is they uh, at one of one of the uh, criminal acts that they did in 1981, uh, they held up a Brinks armored car in Rockland County, New York, and in that robbery, a guard one of the Brinks guards and two police officers were murdered as they tried to stop the, uh, the incident from occurring. Two of the people were Kathy Bodine or Bodine and David Gilbert. And Bodine was sentenced to 20 years to life for her actions in the, the deadly holdup. And Gilbert was sentenced uh, for much longer. And Bodine spent 22 years in prison 
and being, she was paroled in 2003. Gilbert was paroled in 2021. Uh, so the par- they are the parents of San Francisco District Attorney. Again, it's Chessa, not Sessa. Chessa Bodine, terrible name for a boy. Uh, Kathy Bodine had struggled with cancer seven years and died at 78 years of age. And uh, both Gilbert and Chessa were around. I don't know whether Gilbert was still running with Bodine, but... Uh, Anyway, I'm not going to quote all the wonderful things they said about her. Obviously, her son loved her and said kind things about her. Uh, but the, the the interesting thing, and the, this again, just one more disheartening thing about America today, is that the newspapers minimize the killing of these uh, these guys, and uh, they referred to them that three men that were killed, they didn't, you know, that's making it very impersonal. This is what the New York Times wrote. Uh, it says in, in, in 1981, trying to raise money to support black revolutionary organizations, Kathy and her partner David B- Gilbert participated in the robbery of a Brinks truck. Anyway, though Kathy and David were not armed and did not personally hurt anyone, three men were killed. Right? Think, oh, just three guys, whatever. So, uh, the three men included two police officers, one by the name of Waverly Brown and the other named Edward O'Grady. Uh, Diane O'Grady, the widow of Edward, um, isn't so thrilled with uh, Bodine's uh, temperament and uh, mindset after she got out. She never uh, showed any guilt, no shame, no remorse. Uh, for killing uh, Diane Grady's, O'Grady's husband. Uh, active, active, academics and activists applaud uh, Boudin's after-prison life. They said she was a model prisoner, uh, and she picked up the cause where she left off and started a justice institute, I think at Columbia University or one of the major universities. She may have been given a, a doctorate or something like that, Um, it's interesting that I was thinking about this because neither of them actually pulled the trigger that killed these guys, but it doesn't ever say if they caught the guys or gals who did kill them. Uh, but Brink's job was not the first time, uh, her activities were alleged to have led to people dying. Uh, in 1970, she and fellow, uh, underground or revolutionaries were suspected of making bombs that were intended to be used at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Uh, do you ever hear of uh, like some of the Muslim uh, terrorist bomb makers that blow themselves up accidentally? Well, that's what happened here. They, they were in a, um, a townhouse, and they were making these bombs, and they exploded. And uh, it killed three of the terrorists, the domestic terrorists we're talking about. Bodine managed to escape. She was in the building, escaped the explosion. She disappeared uh, for a time, hiding under various aliases. The group she was affiliated with, called Weather Underground, or they sometimes were referred to as the Weathermen, they set off bombs at the United States Capitol and the New York City Police Headquarters uh, as just a couple examples. In other words, that's not the extent of it. Chesa Boudin was 14 months old when his parents went to jail, went to prison. He was adopted by fellow weather underground activists Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers. You may, may have heard about Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers. 
They're the ones that uh, hosted the first get-togethers with Barack Obama to run for president. Bill Ayers was a big promoter of Barack Obama and in Chicago. And uh, they co-parented, the Ayers and Dorn co-parented along with uh, the other family members. Uh, There's also, you can... In these articles, you can see wanted posters with his mother's picture on them. Ayers was a co-founder of the extremist group. This is Bill Ayers, the guy that was the buddy of Barack Obama. And uh, Bernie Dean Dorn was also involved. His roommate, I'm talking about Bill Ayers, he ended up being, I believe, an English professor at Columbia University. Ayers' roommate, Terry Robbins, his girlfriend, Diana Otten, and one other individual were the three people that were killed in the Greenwich Village townhouse explosion that Boudin survived. So you think we got, uh, you know, problems with uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. This was going on through the 70s and 80s. And uh, Boudin is one of the, uh, you know, more and more of these people be dying off because of their age. And just all of us are getting older and getting ailments. So, uh, but I thought that was interesting. So you wonder where a Chesa Boudin comes from. He comes from very radical upbringing where that the, uh, the capitalist society is evil, that capitalism, private enterprise is evil, that, that the uh, justice system is evil, that all the people in jail ought to be released. And so basically Chesa Boudin, who is now running the, uh, the justice system in San Francisco, uh, is basically letting everybody, most people go free. I should say not everybody, but most people are, most crimes are going uh, without any penalty or prosecution. I think over 50 prosecutors, it's a big office, right? It's a big city. So you have a lot of prosecutors, over 50 prosecutors have resigned. Uh, and many of them are working on trying to get him recalled. <laughs> but this is another uh, George uh, Soros uh, funded uh, district attorney. This is the same Soros family that funded uh, many, many uh, foreign students, including people like our health officer, uh, Fong Lu, that is now um, managing or mismanaging the health of Yuba Sutter counties. I wanted to talk a little bit about today about the, uh, uh, and you might be hearing uh, or seeing on the internet or YouTube or TikTok or one of these platforms about farmers saying uh, they're being told to kill their livestock disc under their crops. And you might think, oh, that's just uh, fake news. I'm going to tell you a story that's uh, documented. It's uh, it was done by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR. He was the president at the second half of the uh, Great Depression. He actually made it much worse. He's kind of talked about uh, <clears throat> talked about like a big hero to the liberals, um, but he uh, anyway he was trying to grapple with the depression. If you many economists say that the government actually extended the depression much longer than it had to be, um, but uh, anyway the uh, I want to talk about how he uh, caused real havoc among poor and hungry Americans during the depression. 
Uh, in the late 1998, hog prices broke through the previous record lows set in the spring of 1933. That was in the, during the Depression, right in the fat middle of it. There were lots of hogs, and there was lots of far- there were farm goods. People were working in farms, and they were producing a lot of goods, but they couldn't get enough money for them to um, to pay their bills. So, in, as in 1993, 1933, some farmers appealed to the government for relief. You've seen that all along. Big banks appealed to the government. Big auto dealers appealed to the government. Bail us out. Bail us out. Farmers appealed to the government for relief, and government took some action. In 1998. 50-some years later, or 65 years later, the U.S. government announced increased purchases of pork for use by the armed services and for distribution to the needy through community food shelves. That's how the government uh, helps farmers out, right, and boosts up the price of their product. In early January 1999, Vice President Al Gore announced $50 million of direct disaster payments to hog producers. Now that's when people, you hear farmers getting paid welfare. That's what this is. They get paid for either getting rid of their product, killing them, or they get paid for not raising them. Right. In 1933, as in, in 1998 and 99, that was Clinton Gore, 98, 99, 33 was Franklin Roosevelt. The most important cause of low prices was an excess of hogs. They just raised too much product. I've done that myself. I've in a very small deal. I, I raised pomegranates. We had 18 acres at one time at the beginning. The price was pretty good. Then when everybody put them in, the price wasn't good. Nobody paid me to take them out. I just ended ended up. It was a it was a loser idea. It didn't it didn't work out the way we thought. Farmers were simply producing more hogs and consumers were willing to buy at a price that would give them profit. Right. That's a bummer. Doesn't matter whether you're painting houses or raising hogs. If people are not willing to pay you what it's going to take to paint or raise hogs, you're going to have to get another business. But rather than trying to increase demand, Roosevelt administration took more direct action. Instead of like increase demand, like give it to the military or help give people that are on welfare. Because people were hungry during the Depression, right? They didn't have enough work. 25, 30% 30 of the people were out of work. So Roosevelt decided to kill baby pigs. This is a true story. The action to reduce supply by killing pigs, born in the spring of that year, 1933, made good sense as part of the administration's emergency efforts to raise prices and incomes for the rural poor. But even before the advent of the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA, and other animal rights groups, it was a public relations disaster. In 1933, over one-third of U.S. households had some member out of work, and many people experienced hunger. Killing hogs to raise hog prices at such a time struck many as wrongheaded. This is what happens when the government meddles in the private sector. It always ends up with a freak. The administration's Agricultural Adjustment Act also provided for the plowing under of a significant portion of the cotton crop, which is already in the ground. But cotton seedlings are not as photogenic as piglets and Hollywood well knows, as Hollywood well knows, and destroying cotton to raise prices never raised the same public ire as that of killing baby pigs. Participation in the program was voluntary and farmers were paid for pigs that were killed. Most of the hogs killed were sent to packing plants that contracted with the government. 
Some 5 million light hogs, averaging 53 pounds, were simply tanked or processed in in inedible meat and bone meal, like a fertilizer. Sows, the mothers, hogs, sows, were required to be visibly pregnant for acceptance into the program. They were processed into meat. They were killed pregnant. And they were donated to various local food relief programs. Historical records show that some 6.4 million pigs and sows were killed at an expenditure of $31 million. That's 1933 dollars. Using the consumer price index, an equivalent amount today would be $400 million in 1998 dollars. Today, like, come on, baby, we're 30 years down the road, almost 20, 22 years. A history of the program concluded that it is extremely difficult to estimate the effects of the measures on hog prices. But said they said that the, perhaps prices were increased by $1.75 per hundredweight, a 20% to 30% increase over what prices had been before its inception. The slaughter program was never repeated in part due to the public outcry and because a system of contracting with farmers not to produce was implemented in succeeding years. Yeah, we've heard these stories, right? Farmers paid not to farm their property. Not, instead of switching and doing something else, they pay them to just leave. Uh, they do that occasionally here with rice. Now, this is th- what's happening. Uh, this is happening worldwide. There's going to be a shutdown. The EPA, the Environmental Environmental uh, Protection Agency, EPA, created by Jimmy Carter. They have said deep in their documents that aside from trying to control carbon emissions or, you know, exhaust and uh, all that other stuff, burning wood, all that kind of stuff, the best way to cut our, our impact on the climate is to quit raising food. Now, when I heard this, and I heard it from a lady, a friend of mine in town here, I thought, man, that is an amazing statement. Well, now it's coming out everywhere. And that's why they say they want to reduce the population of the world from 7.5 down to about 5.5. They want to keep about 500 million people, and therefore they won't have to have as much food raised, right? So what's happening in Northern Northern Ireland is part of a larger push to wean humans off red meat. So there's a big push now to eliminate, not only eliminate hogs to get the price up, but to eliminate all kinds of animals that are killed for meat. It's a big problem to them. So, uh, so a guy, uh, well, let me just skip that part. I don't care about the, what happened to this guy. So they're talking about losing a million sheep and cattle. Increasingly, this article says governments are targeting a different emission source. What's the big problem? Food. Livestock specifically. The reason for this are not hard to find because they're targeting methane gas. Remember Jerry Brown, the governor of California, being up in arms about cow farts? So they're talking about methane gas, but the problem is that the methane gas is not causing a big problem with the climate the climate doctrines the dogma is incorrect it's just not a big deal according to estimates from ulster farmers union that's in ireland some 50,000 cattle excuse me 500,000 cattle and roughly 700,000 sheep would have to be lost killed 
in order for Northern Ireland to meet the new climate targets. In other words, they're saying you've got to reduce the amount of animals that are farting, passing gas and manure. They're going to, they want to ultimately lose a million or more. If you're wondering why all these problems with the uh, supply chain, no fertilizer, you can't, you can't, the price of fuels way up. You can't move things around. Union Pacific Railway said, don't call us to haul anything for you. We're booked, right? It's just all simultaneous. Listen, there's no coincidences, people. This is all designed. Uh, this one, one person said, if you look at the evidence of the life cycle of greenhouse gas emissions, the red meat livestock sources, beef, dairy, sheep, have the highest emissions because they, they're ruminant and they have high methane emissions, according to this Climate Change Committee person, Eva Mitowitz. It's crazy. So basically, we have Jeff Bezos of Amazon, and we have uh, Mr. Microsoft, Bill Gates, Billy Gates. They want us to eat fake meat. That's what they want to do. They're already working on it. And he said, yeah, there's going to be a taste difference, but we'll try to get the taste straightened out later. So they're going to create fake meat. And that will eliminate all the methane gas by killing these creatures. Now, when I read these things, now, oh, hold on. I got to take a break and now I'll have one more segment. Be right back. the 1990s, Monsanto Corporation's devastating attack against farmers, their genetically modified frankenfoods, and their neurotoxic pesticides inspired people to push government into legislating certification standards for foods. But thanks to Big Pharma, Bill Gates, and pop culture media brainwashing, Monsanto still stands strong and is ready to take complete control of your food supply. With the help of the same powerful families and foundations who already control the money and the energy. Their plans to do so are comprehensively laid out in a recent report published at Cory Diggs. The indoor vertical farming industry, which is a highly innovative and efficient method, is being funded by Bill Gates and pushed by the World Economic Forum as a replacement to conventional outdoor farming. Aero Farms is the industry leader in vertical farming, and they also co-developed the first CRISPR gene-edited produce product and worked with the NIH to produce proteins for the deadly COVID vaccines. Aero Farms makes it clear that they are not conventional gardeners. They are all about synthetic food products, which is clearly the trend in this growing industry. Monsanto is creating specially tailored genetically cut seeds for these vertical farms. And the University of California is developing a plant-based mRNA vaccine that farms can grow in heads of lettuce, which happens to be the main crop of these new farms. These GMO farms 
already provide food at major outlets, including Kroger, Walmart, and Whole Foods, and are massively expanding. And it's not only fresh produce that's getting genetically modified. The USDA and FDA have already approved genetic modifications on pigs, salmon, and cattle. And they have approved synthetic lab-grown meat. Bill Gates's Good Food Institute plans to reimagine meat production with $10 million of support from the USDA. But in order to make their big pharma food supply the new American model, they will need a major crisis. The 2020 lockdowns distressed the supply chain, which was further affected by U.S. sanctions against Russia. This has created a food shortage crisis. Add to that, over a dozen food processing plants have mysteriously been destroyed in the past several weeks, as well as major fertilizer plants during a major fertilizer crisis. To make matters worse, Union Pacific Railroad forces a 20% reduction in shipments from the world's largest fertilizer company. And when the people demand a solution, as it turns out, Bill Gates is heavily invested in alternative fertilizers and is also a chief stockholder of the Canadian National Railway, who claims to be helping the fertilizer market grow. Perhaps Bill Gates and Monsanto will volunteer to save everyone with their new gene-edited bacteria fertilizer. And maybe it will backfire like it did in Africa, when after 15 years of trying to help, all Gates and Monsanto accomplished was increasing starvation by 31%. But that's okay, because it's Monsanto bear to the rescue with their big pharma food factories with brand new mRNA vaccine lettuce. And as if this wasn't bad enough, the stated goal of this new Franken-food industry is to make all food traceable. And that means coating it all in nanotech. Who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. People always ask me, like, how'd you learn how to do that accent? Who taught you how to do that, right? Well, I grew up in a place called San Jose, California. It's the Bay Area's Westminster, okay? So I grew up eating pho. Do you guys eat pho? Right? So I grew up eating pho, and I would put all kind of chili sauce in my pho. Because I'm Mexican. So I put all kind of chili sauce in my pho, and the lady that worked there, she would get mad at me because she thought I was just playing around and wasting all her sauce. So she would yell at me. She'd be like, don't put the too much the sauce. <laughs> if you put the too much the sauce, you make the whole thing up. If you do the sa, you do the one tam. You do sa, no sa. Sa, no sa. Mama say, mama sa, mama sa, no sa. If you met the whole thing up, you don't get to take back. 
Chúc mừng nụ mai bụng nem xeo chiếm tình bài môi cấm cười si một hai bê bụng nem xeo Quê ở làm mai chiếm tình bài môi cấm cười si một hai bê bụng nem xeo chiếm tình bài môi Chúc mừng nụ mai Quê ở làm mai chiếm tình bài môi Quê ở cấm cười si Quê ở cấm chúc mừng nụ mai Một hai bê bụng nem si Don't get to take back And when that joke first came out, a lot of people loved it, right? <laughs> But some people hated it. <laughs> And I started getting hate mail from people. Yeah, like I would get a letter. And you can tell it was written by a Vietnamese person. Because <laughs> like I would read a letter and be like, if I see you in the street, <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Ooh. <laughs> And they started getting real crazy, right? Started getting death threats. One time after I showed this Vietnamese guy, he was so mad at me, he yelled at me, he cussed at me, but he didn't cuss correctly. <laughs> he came up to me real mad. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> real mad F-U-T. the butt <laughs> I was like mm, sir I don't even know if that counts I want you to listen to what happens when government gets involved in people's lives this way. If you think that FDR was crazy when he went out and kill, killed millions of piglets, compared to Chow, Chairman Mao of China, who had plans to revolutionize China's agricultural sec sector with the Great Leap Forward, this is interesting because when I read this earlier today, It reminded me of a statement my dad would say at the table in the late 50s when I was slowing down at the end of my meal and maybe I was a little full and I, I wasn't quite finished with my plate. Usually I always clean my plate. He would say, hey, clean your plate. People in China are starving. And that just wasn't a colloquial expression. Let me read this to you. Things didn't go well for, for Mao with his great leap forward and managing the entire economy from headquarters in China, just like it doesn't do well on any level when the federal, state, or even county government tries to manage, micromanage the society. What happened? The inefficiency of the communes that were set up in China And the large-scale diversion of farm labor into small-scale industry disrupted China's agriculture seriously. And three consecutive years of natural calamities added to what quickly turned into a national disaster. In all, 20 million people died of starvation. 
You think it can't happen here? You think it can't happen here? I'm telling you people, this happened between 1959 and 1962 and my dad used to comment to me because he he uh, was in, in, involved with food. He was a butcher and had his own meat shop, meat business. And he used to say to me, hey, uh, people are starving in China. I, I couldn't say, oh, yeah, because I didn't know. He was paying attention to the news. 20 million people died under Mao's collective effort. Do you think they criticize him today? I don't know whether they do or not. You think they criticized him back then? They would have been killed. In between 1932 and 33, millions of Ukrainians died in a famine engineered by the Soviet Union. Remember, they're they're communists now. They're all part of the Soviet Union. It's called it's a case uh, or the the you know we call it the Holocaust for the Jews. This is called the Holodomor. All the only vowels, it's all consonants and then zeros or O's. Holodomor. In the case of the Holodomor, this was the first genocide that was methodically planned out and perpetrated by depriving the very people who were the producers of the food of eating their food. The genocide was not just tragic but ironic in that it took place in a region globally recognized as the breadbasket of Europe. You know that the United States of America is considered the breadbasket. California is considered the breadbasket of the world. You don't think we could starve people right here with farming going on all around us? Tom Sowell, the economist, reminds us of a dark and disturbing reality highlighted by this fact that many of the greatest disasters of our time, I'm going to say this a couple times, many of the greatest disasters of our time, I'm talking about personal disasters where people starved to death. They were created by experts. We're right on the precipice by it, people. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, not what I dreamed, not what I think God told me, not, not because I'm a psychic or something. It's what I see. It's plain. It's plain as day. F.A. Hayek explained that such disasters stem from a lack of humility among central planners about the knowledge or lack thereof they possess in their fatal striving to control society. Control of society is disastrous. Trying to manage a a so-called pandemic, even if it was really threatening, is disastrous. Above all else, Hayek said, the role of economics is to temper such great plans. People, for some reason, have these rich people, ultra-rich, somehow want to manage all of our little brains and our our little lives. They have big lives. We have little lives. People like the supervisors get so full of themselves it's an arrogance it's a pride and they think they they know more than the average person and they're seriously deceived they're seriously deceived and they will actually make decisions and turn around and justify it in their own mind and heart that they did the right thing when people literally died because of their decisions Hayek says the curious task of economics is to demonstrate to humans how little they really know about what they imagine they can design. 
attempting to come. This goes on to say attempting to curb climate change by destroying food supplies may not appear quite as crazy as lighting oneself on fire in front of the Supreme Court to protect a lack of government action on climate change. A guy did that. Did you know that? A guy lit himself recently. A guy went in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America and torched himself just like the monks, the, the Buddhist monks used to do on the streets of Vietnam to protest the war. The guy torched himself. You talk about a guy throwing down for his cause. I'm telling you that people are going to starve to death in this country while there's food in the fields and it's going to be disunder. And there's going to be animals killed because they've screwed up the ec economics so bad that the farmer can't afford to raise the, 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 the creature or produce more piglets or produce more calves or, 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 or produce more eggs or whatever because they've screwed up the supply chain so bad because of their monkeying around with everything. I'm telling you, the people that are running the United States of America are idiots. They're complete idiots. They're, they're proving it every day. It's already happened, people, in country after country. The When I was in Cambodia and went to the uh, Killing Fields museums, they killed a third of their own population. You know what they did? They eliminated all, met, all Western medical. They burned down the hospitals. I saw them. I saw five-story carcasses of buildings. Beautiful hospitals. They once were beautiful hospitals. They burned them down, and they went back to folk medicine. They destroyed all the all the schools and burnt all the books because they didn't think they they killed people in Cambodia that wore glasses because that meant they could read, and that mean, meant they were probably intellectuals who would resist the communists. So they killed them. Some people say they that the third of the population was killed by the communists. Actually. A lot of people just died of starvation and malaria and diseases because they had no longer had any medication that would stop what their ailment was because they, they wouldn't accept any Western medication anymore. Nobody went to school anymore. Just like we lost two years worth of school or a year and a half worth of school, they lost years worth of school before they were overthrown, they, what they call the Red Communists or the Khmer Rouge. Listen, people, it's happened all. I've been in countries. I've been in Vietnam where, where people's, their people have been starved to death and killed. Same way in, in uh, Uganda. Same way in Russia. I've been there. China, been there. Laos, been there. I'm telling you, people, this is coming our way. And if you, if you are going to be passive, it's coming. We need to stand up. We, need, we, can, we can withstand this. And we can throw them out, but we need to throw them out. We need to throw them out. And if you heard this black lady at the intro to this show today, we we need to get up to her speed. We She knows what she's talking about. We need to get up to her seat, speed. Now, we have some crazy things going on locally. We have a Yuba College. We have a Yuba College district. And... Uh, it has several campuses. The first campus was in Yuba County, right out here, what we call Linda. And many of us that have been around for a while went to that college. And it was, they had good, good teachers at, back in the 60s, 70s. 
But today it's horrible. In fact, some of the leaders of the college would not, they've actually told me I would not have my own grandkids come to this school because of the terrible things that are being taught in the classes. We passed some ridiculous bonds out there when Brent Hasty, by the way, Brent Hasty is running for Yuba Water Agency. We need to eliminate him and have him go back to the private sector. Brent Hasty was involved in in uh, the financing of some bonds that were going to cost $12 for every dollar we borrowed. And we're, they, even though they later, eventually, when they changed leadership at the college, they refinanced them. We got buried with debt trying to build this Sutter, Sutter uh, uh, campus. If you've driven by or been involved in the Yuba College campus in Linda, it is a disaster. Most of the buildings are empty. They've been allowed to decay. They didn't do proper upkeep. They floated all these bonds that we paid uh, egregious interest rates, all because Brent Hasty supported it and was for it. And uh, the California Community College are collapsing throughout the entire state. And uh, we're liable to have another bond come on the ballot, and please vote against it if that happens. But Brent Hasty also, he's now off the Yuba County Board, I guess, Yuba College Board, and maybe he's just going to be on the... Uh, Still, he, he wants to retain his seat on the water board. We need some new people in the Board of Supervisors and on the Yuba Water Board. Let me talk about California Community Colleges. They used to be a huge blessing to each community. It was inexpensive to go there. Now they've become politically left. They have illegal aliens out there. They refuse to tell the government if they have uh, dreamers or people that are in this country. We're paying, actually, you and I are paying for illegals going to college in this country. And uh, even having their fees, you're paying your fees, but they, they get their fees waived. California Community Colleges have seen their enrollment drop by a fifth. Do you hear what I said? 20% during the, just during the last couple of years, the corona pandemic, before that, they were already collapsing. The, we're paying huge money to keep these campuses going. They're building this fancy campus in Woodland with our money from Yuba County. When you look at who supports the Yuba College campuses here, there, and everywhere, it's mainly Yuba County people, Yuba and Sutter. So during the pandemic, the the uh, em enrollment drops with more than 300,000 fewer students enrolled in fall of 2021 20 compared to the fall of 2019. They've dropped significant courses, automotive courses, ROP type cor courses that train people to go to work. California lawmakers last year gave the system 120 million to help bring students back. That didn't, that's not teachers. That's trying to convince students to come to community college. Why would we even have to do that? Why would we even spend money to beg students to come to, why don't we just let them do whatever they want to do? Why are we trying to shore up community colleges? 42 of California's 116 community college, more, more students left in the fall of 2021 than in the fall of 2020. 
you know, in other words, it got worse. Right? One out of four prospective students surveyed in December by the chancellor's office said they didn't enroll because of full-time work. A lot of kids are just going to work, man. Forget about it. It's a waste of time. They don't teach you skills that you can really benefit from in work. It's it's indoctrination. It's propaganda. People don't want to wor- learn about 45 different genders. People don't want to learn about critical race theory. They want to go to work. They want to learn about things that will help them in life. People says the guy says people think that the community college is affordable and in some ways it is. However, the total cost of attending college is more than just fees and tuition. It involves books, housing, childcare, and everything that goes into the total cost of success. College enrollments are down across the country, although the community colleges in California saw steep declines. We led the way, baby. I'm telling you, it's a real problem. I would not send my kid to any uh, to this Yuba College at all. I've heard horrible things about it. All right. Uh, let me just see. <clears throat> Did you, uh, have you noticed that, in, I know this is a, a podcast that goes out everywhere, but I don't know how recycling is working in your area of the country. But I think in the recycling in California, I think a lot of the recycled products are are actually getting dumped in the dump. They're not even recycling them. We're going through the process of recycling them at homes. We give it to the Recology or some other group, and a lot of them can't get rid of it, and they just dump it in the dump. It's not working. The whole system's falling apart, and we're spending millions and millions of dollars. So this guy wrote an article about plastic bag bans could be backfiring, a study said. So um, remember Santa Monica was the first one to say, we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, we want to stop using bags. I have an entire drawer chock full of plastic bags. I never used to have that. I used to always use paper and paper is disposable. It goes right back into the soil. Plastic does not. Now we got all these plastic bags. A new analysis finds these policies, while created with good intentions, may cause more plastic bags to be purchased in the communities than they are than they were in the first place. That's because in places where carryout grocery bags are allowed, customers use them as trash bags. I, I do exactly that. I try to get as much use out of them as I can instead of just use them and throw them in the garbage. It says the government banning of plastic po- plastic policies have made the earth worse, not better, according to this study. But you will not find this information in the media. They are in on the scam. It's a total humbug. I can't use a plastic straw. I can't use a plastic fork. It's all we're just getting scammed. These are university research like. Oh, well, how'd this plastic... I never could figure out how the plastic thing was going to work out. <coughs> we estimate that uh, the regulations lead to an average increase, increase, not decrease, increase in purchase of a bags of 127 pounds per store per month. Anyway, it's a total loser. 
so many so many of the recycling things are total losers. Think they were good intentions, maybe. But people didn't do the science. They didn't do the again. Obama says, oh, we have these shovel ready jobs. Remember that those jobs, if any, cost the government, the taxpayer, two hundred fifty thousand to four hundred thousand dollars a piece. Do you know how much it costed us to increase a job at a when I was in paint contracting? If we got really busy, we needed to hire two more painters. It didn't cost a nickel. You just hired them. You just found the painters and put them put them to work. It didn't cost the taxpayer a nickel. When government tries to contrive jobs, it costs a fortune. It just costs. It just it's it's a loser deal. It's ne- it's never going to work. They cannot manage the food. They cannot manage the the supply chain. They just screw everything up. They're freaks. They're Frankenstein freaks. That's what they are. The doctor goes to create some kind of creature and they create a Frankenstein. It's a, it's a, it's a freak. You ever seen a freak? I was thinking the other day when I used to go to the circus, when I was a kid, we used to go. And one of the attractions was to go in and pay a small amount of money. Everything was a small amount of money then. And, and there would be a fat lady in there to see inside this tent. You go see the fat lady. Now, most of the circuit, circus goers or carnival goers are all fat ladies. They couldn't have a fat lady in a tent because she couldn't compete with all the obese women we got out there already. And obese guys. The whole, the whole country's obese, right? But she was a, considered a freak back then. The government is, con, is creating disasters that are going to kill many, millions and millions of people. It's happened all over the world. The United States has nearly done that in the depression because they, the depression could have been over in a couple of years and because of their interference and their manipulation and their bad judgment, they killed a lot of people. They killed, a, they, they caused a lot of suffering. I don't know if they killed the kind of people that were killed in Ukraine and China. I'm not saying that they just caused a lot of suffering for many, many years over a decade. They were involved in a uh, depression Okay, we'll be right. Uh, we're done. We're not. We're gonna. We're not gonna be right back. We're done. All right. See you later. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Skies are blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, and I think 